Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you see the consciousness in the world around you, you find the consciousness within yourself. Aloha, cosmic students of this multidimensional universe. This is Brendan, a.k.a. Skull Babylon, a.k.a. Skull the Wolf, Wolf Shield, joining you once again for another very exciting live broadcasted edition of Paradigm Shift Destiny School. Tonight's topic being the consciousness of animals. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. As per usual, this is a live broadcast on behalf of ParadigmShiftCentral.com, a real-world interactive game to help shift consciousness and as per usual we got some amazing people with us right off the start of this broadcast so i'm just going to invite these people to be able to unmute their microphones and let's just make some animal noises and say hello to all the beautiful people tuned into this so guys with your microphones turned up make some noise make some animal noises send some love so Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. You can uh, definitely see we got a lot of uh, animal energy going on tonight uh, for tonight's broadcast. So, um, yes, thank you again for everyone tuning into this. For those of you who may be tuning into this right off the bat, please feel free to join in helping share this broadcast. That is a huge thing that helps with this. You guys can even share this in some of Facebook groups. That is a way to be able to be involved and participate in this. And we're going to get right into the discussion pretty early on, just in some basic overviews as a basic introduction. Again, for those of you who may be completely new, ParadigmShiftCentral.com is, as I said, an ongoing interactive real-world game to help shift consciousness. Part of the way how we do that, part of the way how we help shift consciousness is by creating conscious media, by documenting the shift, by creating a sacred digital space to be able to talk about the things that we don't normally get a chance to talk about. And of course, you can check out more on the main website, including community quest journals, conscious articles, videos, and future interactive hangouts that you too can be a part of, as well as a global network for shifters and paradigm shift communities, which focus on regular open-minded discussion and meditation. So in the same way, we're having a digital meetup here. We're always encouraging people to create physical paradigm shift communities so that they can learn from these broadcasts and say like, hey, we can do that in person. We can get a group of people together. We can talk about consciousness. And in the case of today, talking specifically about the consciousness of animals. So within the broadcast that we do through Paradigm Show Central, we have the team building hangouts, dream class, the admin hangouts, and also this, which is Destiny School. And so Destiny School, we rotate through a variety of specific topics. And we've done a few throughout the past, such as ones on dreaming, meditation, uh, health and fitness, sacred sexuality, um, a couple others, uh, conscious themes within movies was a really cool and you can go back and check those out on the main website. And so this is a this is a topic that I'm really excited about. So this is into the big theme of the consciousness of animals. So that's going to be the focus of this discussion. And so part of the intention behind doing this and, and we'll get the ball rolling and we'll start passing the talk and stick around is to really just kind of like use this 
as an opportunity to get into being able to understand more about ourselves, more about our nature as humans, more about our place within the cosmos, so to speak, by observing the behavior of animals, the nature of animals, the patterns that animals exhibit, even the emotions and the characteristics and even the virtues of animals and, and how animals help us learn more about ourselves. So, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that we can take this discussion. Uh, I'm sure we'll even get into the idea of like, you know, like animals animal rights and veganism, which is a huge thing that a lot of people are moving towards as well. So, uh, you know, just really opening up this entire spectrum of the theme of consciousness and animals. So as we move into this, uh, we'll get the talking stick moving around. And again, this is just all practice. And we do have some general questions that we'll be able to bounce around the group. But if you guys are in the live chat, please feel free to throw in some some additional points, some additional questions that you guys might want to add. Because even if you're not in the Hangout, you guys are still interacting with the Hangout. You guys are still a part of the class by being here simply by participating in the live chat. So again, as we kind of do this, you can think of this as this virtual classroom it unfolds. It's an opportunity for us to take turns kind of like stepping up to the front of the class and talking. But at the same time, you can also think of it as a circle and it's a lot easier to just visualize it that way as well. So um, some of the questions that I had within the preface, within the preface of the broadcast is uh, I said, how can studying animals, any homo sapien being, any, sorry, any non-homo sapien being help us better understand ourselves. What are unique patterns and ways of life? Do, what unique patterns and ways of life do some animals exhibit that fast, uh, that display fascinating traits and abilities of consciousness? So this is where we can get into some of like the extrasensory aspects that animals exhibit. And maybe they're teaching us about like the psychic potentials within this reality for any species. Uh, do animals feel the same way as we do? How do they perceive the world around them? Do they experience time differently? Do they understand what love is? Do some of them display natural abilities such as telepathy? And that can help us understand our own dormant abilities, as I was just saying. Uh, and how should we how should we perceive and treat animals? Are they a key to a bigger understanding of what is possible within this reality and what may be hidden behind the veil. So as we get into this, my first my first notes and, and then we're passing the talking stick around. I've talked about this in other previous broadcasts. And, you know, for me, even just expanding uh, the definition of like, you know, we as in a culture, we have this this idea of humans and animals being separate things, you know, like humans were the bipedal people that talk and communicate and have higher like cognitive abilities and everything. And then everything else is basically animals. And and within the concepts of this broadcast, even the concept of like insects, we'll all just fit that in under animals. So like reptiles, mammals, insects, all of it kind of fits under animals in this case. And we'll expand, you know, like where does does at what point does something not become an animal if it's still sentient, so to speak? And what is consciousness within other beings? We can touch upon that. Um, so one of the things that I've said in other broadcasts that's really sort of shift my own paradigm is basically this idea of flexing the definition of what human means. So for those of you who may not have already heard this, I'll just repeat it again. But the word human to me encapsulates the concept of animals as well. Like when I think of human, I think of any sort of vehicle that consciousness can work through. And so that is the idea of human, the word human literally being thought of as the hues of mana. And again, hues being spectrums, colors, shades, mana being this universal energy that we are all a part of. So yes, us talking here with our fingers and our eyes and our cognitive abilities, we are humans. 
but it's interesting to think about the idea of how animals are also humans as well but in this concept we'll be referring to animals with the term animals simply for differentiating them between us but understanding that both are very essentially human so um within this let's pass a talking stick around and, and we'll just kind of allow the conversation to go wherever it needs to to go wherever it can and really just thinking about this as practice and thank you again everyone for tuning into this and uh yeah we'll get into some other stuff uh, as we go through this broadcast i will just say if we can get some team patreon signups during this broadcast that is a huge bonus and of course you can find the links for that in the show info and that helps support the ongoing production of the paradigm to central project and that's at paradigm or sorry, patreon.com forward slash paradigm, or sorry, <laughs> let me retry that. Paradigm should essentially, uh, patreon.com forward slash Brendan Culleton. And you can also find it in the info for this video on YouTube. And uh, there's like a card thing on the YouTube video that you can click. That makes it really easy. So um, yeah, we got a few people into the chat. So I want to be able to just like invite you guys to share why you are drawn to this topic uh, is basically the first question that I just kind of want to put out there. You know, like, why is this topic important to you and and you know like how are animals helping us learn more about ourselves so again let's just see where this goes and uh we'll kind of unfold in that way so um let's see who would like to introduce themselves first so you guys can just do a basic introduction or just say who you are where you're from and you know what brings you to destiny school today for this topic so um if somebody would want to volunteer to go first just uh, raise your hand and, and i'll pull up your microphone and uh, we can get right into this. And uh, it looks like we do actually have uh, Rainy who is, is here. So, yo, Rainy, I'm just going to pull up your microphone. And we're just going to do a microphone check. So, yo, dude, welcome. Go ahead and just say hello. What up? Sorry if it's a little loud. I'm like downtown New York. <laughs> actually, it sounds pretty good, man. So all good. Sweet. Perfect. Perfect, man. Well, I, Rainy, I, if you're ready to introduce yourself, I'd be happy to pass the talking stick right over to you, man. And thank you so much for joining. So, um, Yeah, my name is Rainy Paycheck. I uh, am here definitely interested in talking about animal consciousness and animal rights and uh, animal, um, just anything animal. Let's do it. Um. Don't don't eat them, yeah. That that would be really sweet if people would stop doing that. Um, so I have a, a, a YouTube channel called Symbiotic Solutions. Um, I've been pretty inactive on it lately, but um, it's all about uh, mostly healthy eating and stuff like that. But mostly, it's the the idea is anything symbiotic. I think that we as humans should be uh, symbiotic with a symbiotic relationship with nature and animals and plants. And uh, I think that's our most healthy way of, of living. I think it's the most ecological and animal friendly way of living. And uh, we get to eat lots of fruits and vegetables. So it's the most healthy for our, ourselves as well. Um, in terms of animals, I think, I mean, I think, I think we're animals. So uh, we can talk about what we can learn about from one another. Um, as much as we can talk about what we can learn about from dogs or chimpanzees or, or animals that are just like us. So um, I'm really excited to be a part of this talk. I just found out about it about half an hour ago. I just got done with the animal rights protest. Uh, actually, my first real protest um, aside from um, one when I was about 10 years old, protesting George W. Bush in, in, um, in Portland. But this was about a, a 
puppy mill um, slash pet shop that was abusing their animals. And um, very sad thing, but very, very heartening to see a lot of people um, out there and helping um, to, to spread awareness. And yeah, um, I hear it's glitching a little bit. I hope you guys can hear me all right. But, all right, there we go. Okay. All right, okay, just checking in. That was The glitch was on my end, so I think we're okay right now. So, okay, okay. you can hear me okay, Randy? I can, yeah. Okay, perfect. Sweet. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, man, I, I'd love to just kind of be able to pick your brain for a second since we've, we've gotten you here just in time and everything. And uh, just uh, give me a heads up. Um, how long do you think you're able to stick around for? Because I know um, you're in the midst of an adventure. So, I Yeah, I got a bike back about 15 <laughs> miles back home. But um, I, I'm all here, man. Okay, I'm, cool. I'm here. Cool, man. Sweet. For sure. Awesome. Yeah. And, and so again, let me just kind of just uh, allow people to be, uh, you know, for those of you who, who don't know Rainy already, he's been involved in past Paradigm Shift Central broadcast. And uh, yeah, his YouTube channel is definitely something you're going to want to check out. He's got a lot of high quality videos that he does, and we'll include those into the show notes as well. And um, yeah, Rainy is a, a constant advocate of, of not only like encouraging people to eat healthy, but also to be able to eat, eat consciously. And he's constantly like phrasing uh, and creating dialogue and discussion and discourse on through his Facebook uh, that is slowly but surely helping people become more aware of the food that they're eating and evidently uh, moving them towards a more plant and fruit based diet. Um, but yeah, Rainy, I mean, I know you just kind of said that, but like, you're, I just kind of want to ask you, like, when did you really start getting passionate about the uh, idea of like no longer wanting to uh, see animals as just like, a, a, you know, food for, for the industry, so to speak? Like, was there a point where you used to eat animals for food? And then at what point did you kind of begin to recognize the consciousness within animals, so to speak? Um, man, if I have to pinpoint a moment, it was probably when I was tripping on mushrooms. I was 14 years old, but, uh, that's when I kind of realized that we are animals and uh, anything that uh, we have in common with animals is, is, I mean, we have way more in common with, with pretty much any other animal than we have not in common with them. Um, and I, um, so when I realized that we are animals, I realized that animals are us and, and the vast majority of them are very conscious and very smart. And um, so this is about 10 years ago that I actually went vegan. Um, I had a vegan friend that was like, dude, when are you going to go vegan? And I'm just like, yeah, no, I should. And uh, it took, it took, it's, it was about when I was 18 years old, I went vegan. Um, I think I saw earthlings. I was, I was really learning about uh, conspiracy theory and um, stuff like that and learning. Uh, I saw earthlings, the documentary about uh, animal slaughterhouses and, 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 and everything terrible that we do to animals and I went vegan I went raw vegan um, most people go vegan and they eat all sorts of fake meat and fake cheese and fake processed vegan foods and, and I really am glad that I, I sort of got away from that for the most part and just went straight to the raw fresh fruits and vegetables which I believe is the healthiest way to eat so yeah Cool. Awesome, man. Sweet. Well, uh, definitely thank you again for being here. And, and I know there's more stuff that we'll be getting into. So let's just go through a couple introductions. And uh, yeah, well, again, thank you, Rainy, for rocking it, dude. You're doing awesome stuff. So my pleasure. Awesome, man. So are you, dude. Thank you.
All right. Okay. So go team and uh, let's keep passing and talking stick around. So again, let's just kind of say like who we are and, you know, like what, what brings us to this class? Why is this class important to us? And then any sort of like general ideas that maybe you want to put out there to the group. So uh, we got Brian, we got Jam and we got Kyle. So if one of you guys just wants to uh, raise your hand real quick and I'll pull your microphones up. Uh, Brian. Okay, cool. So Brian, passing it over to you. Welcome back to the broadcast and go right ahead, brother. Thank you. Um, I'd like to talk about just you know converse with everyone here i, I don't want to i i want to talk about uh like chirping and talking and singing versus rapping the connectivity of how uh we all communicate with one another with bats and elephant or um, excuse me bats and dolphins it's uh sonar and so so, so forth but you can give a, a paintbrush to an elephant and they can paint a picture and they say parrots are as smart as six-year-olds they have the equivalent intelli equivalent intelligence and dogs for that matter have equivalent intelligence of two-year-olds and they can recognize certain phrases that you're saying and uh there's a loyal gene with dogs i guess they're talking about where it's uh able to like understand humans like just how we do with emotion like we're looking at our face but i don't know if that's just a bias and i don't know if it's an actual gene or not i don't know a lot of everything but um Oh, someone's got it on uh, Facebook live chat or something. Okay. No, sorry about that. <laughs> Keep going. Um, yeah, I, I know. Yeah, there's uh, like for example, with birds, they they make uh, mating calls, right? And it's a uh, it's a certain enunciation to the world. But they also, I just saw a bird went like curved its chirp today, and I saw it throw the bird in the other direction. Like it, it used like this amazing language to know where to fly to next. It was, it was two robins looking for a worm, you know, sticking out of the ground. And another funny thing, right, right, right at the same house, right, right at my, my house, um, there's a alarm clock that we have that slowly wakes us up every morning and it chirps. And I found it, I found it interesting that, um, the birds outside started imitating it as well. Like it wanted to communicate with the alarm clock, you know, and I think it, it likes the dawn aspect, how we wake up at the same time, just like how roosters crow, you know, in the morning. I'm talking a lot about birds, but there's also insects. A lot of people don't respect invertebrates, and uh, they have a different mindset. They think as a colony. They have a hive mind, just as we adopt it towards uh, the Internet, where we have a hive mind. It's very interesting, intelligence and, and the way that we communicate. I think anything that's living you could even consider a virus as living but it's such a parasite that it needs another life to for it to live within for it to survive but uh um i don't know what are your thoughts i'm just i'm just getting the ball rolling here totally man yeah those are some key points there I, I think it's really interesting when we start observing the intelligence of animals because again you know like we commonly uh value and, and sort of like measure intelligence based on our own intelligence based on what we're used to based on our ability to like build a vehicle or create a computer or to create art and stuff like that but again like animals have their own form of incredibly complex intelligence that is relative to the systems that they are naturally a part of so like you were saying their forms of language uh, i think it's so fascinating that we consider ourselves so advanced yet 
we are unable to actually understand the uh, full language of another being. Um, and, and oftentimes, again, I think that's because we sort of like position ourselves as being, uh, you know, as our language being superior. So it's just like, oh, they're just making noise. But I think we often underestimate uh, how much the the actual like density of a single like bird chirp can actually contain data wise that is being transmitted and received by other birds in the area. Like, I think it's easy for us to look at it as being something simple. But I think the reality is, is that it's actually far more complex and dynamic. Um, and there's even something I was going to mentioned about dolphins in relative to their sonar waves uh and i'm gonna get into that later so we'll save that so um yeah we'll keep passing the talking stick around but brian is there any other thing that you want to mention because those are some key points and i think we'll get back to those later i would, I would like to talk for one minute on uh us being animals again and i think it's so it. true i look at uh we are just at the cusp of evolving biologically we're now our memes which are genes that are memories richard dawkins coined the term in 1972 in his book the selfish gene and uh you know we have internet memes where they have the same thing all the time like you know same picture different caption but with real memes it's a television screen that starts from black and white to color to 1080 to 4k and it's evolving outside of our body so is language so is everything but our we're 98 chimpanzee we have just dexterous enough fingers to to manipulate things around us to build tools better than chimpanzees if you look at our feet we evolved quicker than what we would ordinarily to uh walk on the ground normally you know like we wear shoes it's a meme that we invented and so now our feet are soft in the bottom and look at our toes you know they're they were once hands at some point but now they're used for balance so it's just like dolphins and whales having fingers within their fins and and uh flukes um, or no, just their fins, excuse me. Um, it's, it's the same concept. You know, we're all evolving. We're all on this planet together. And I think that what we need to focus on is not, is not so much, you know, how, appreciation of the animals. It's like, how do we break the, the normality of just talking to people? Like we're, we're one with everyone, you know, what do you consider conscious, you know? And, uh, I'll talk about it later, but there's AI, you know, I, I wanted to talk about AI mm -hmm. being conscious. Mm -hmm. So I think I had the talking stick for a stock talking stick for a while now. I think we passed it to someone else. That's perfect. Thank you, Brian. That was wonderful. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. And, and again, you know, like within this conversation, it will make sense for us to just kind of even address the idea of what is consciousness. So, I mean, that, that's something we can kind of just begin to explore as well as we get into this as well. Um, so let's continue to bounce the talking stick around. So uh, we have a couple players uh, still who are in the circle who uh, we have Jam, we have Kat and we have Kyle. So if one of you guys just wants to uh, raise your hand and you guys can introduce yourself next. So uh, we'll, we'll bring it over to Jam first and then, and then Kyle and then uh, and then Kat. So, uh, Jam, welcome, welcome to Destiny School. And uh, again, just say who you are, maybe where you're from, and what brings you here, and anything about this topic that you'd like to share with the group. Hey guys, I'm Jam um, from North Carolina. Um, what brought me here? I've been meaning to come and join the discussion for a while now, um, get some practice in um, animal consciousness. What I was thinking about, I didn't really have anything to say. Uh, I was just going to kind of listen, but there's some pretty interesting, I like what Rainey brought up about like veganism and stuff. Cause <clears throat> I've been slowly changing my diet this year. I've been changing a lot of habits this year and diet I'm finding is like 
the next big one. So I was actually looking up videos of veganism and like how to, you know, I've, I've stopped, I stopped eating red meat and then I, I like down to chicken and then the chickens I'm noticing that's still messing me up. So I'm like, all right, I got to put together a master shopping list and change this stuff. But, um, <clears throat> so just hearing that's kind of giving me the next, all right, that was a synchronicity. I'm going to start working on that next. Um, but other than that, I was thinking about, <laughs> I was thinking about cats and like how some animals can, can, can see like, I guess like stuff that's not there kind of beyond the veil. Um, like, couple of years ago when I was really into my depression and I was drinking a lot and I definitely had some bad vibes going on around me. My cat wouldn't even come into my room with me. And if I brought my cat in my room, he'd run to the door and like be meowing and like looking around up at the ceiling. Like it could see something that wasn't there. So that, I mean, at the time I was just like, whatever, but thinking back on it now, I'm like, I wonder what, you know, what can they see that's not there that I can't see that eventually I could feel um, and started, it's, that was actually the room I'm in right now. And, um, you know, since then I've done, this is where I do all my spiritual practice. This is where I, you know, I burn sage and stuff. And now they, now the cats come in here and they love being around me and, you know, they cuddle with me up on the futon and everything. So I don't know. That's what I got to say about animal consciousness. <laughs> word, man. Word. Awesome. Yeah. Those are some great points. I like the, I like the, where you're going with that, the idea of, that our normal perception uh yet outside of our normal maybe they're not totally outside of our perception just outside of our normal perception and that's where yeah you hear a lot of people talking about the idea Animal sense. Sorry, I'm just taking a second here because I'm just making sure that everything is running uh, smoothly. It looks like it's okay. It's just the browser is a little choppy on my end. Okay, cool. Um, sweet. Okay, so let's keep passing the talking stick around, assuming you guys can hear me okay. I think so. Windows here. All right, okay, so we'll pass it over to uh kyle next and uh kyle if you're there i'm just gonna bring up your microphone and, and go right ahead dude you can introduce yourself next and what brings you to destiny school all right wait all right cool yo what's up i'm kyle i've been doing paradigm shift stuff for a while i don't know man like a little more than a year i think at this point um i don't know recently i've just been hanging out and doing me and doing the doing the journey thing and animals I think I think we're here to do our part in the ecosystem man I think I think we may or may not be a freak of nature I've got a couple different theories on why human beings are like on this earth man the point is we're here now like yo or, or like how human beings came to be you know, like point is like we're here now right and like i see it as like you know, animals they're like our older brother or something yeah we, we learn from we can learn from them 
they, they're also here to like you know they provide for us when we need them to um i think it's just like us playing part of the ecosystem it's all part of the balance you know what i mean um i don't think it's like unhealthy to consume like animal and use animal for things i definitely i don't know man like I definitely think there's a huge difference between like what you could hunt and what you could buy. There is a huge difference. I don't know. I don't know, man. If you ever eaten like some good venison and it's really like very sweet compared to like you know, like beef you would buy from from a store that's kinda like I don't know, it's just like a tailored taste. But it's you know what I mean? Like, there's definitely a difference, but you would have to you would have to have eaten game as opposed to like what you know what I mean? I don't know, I think we're here to just do our part in the ecosystem. We are we are masters of our environment in a different way. We have a greater level of consciousness and communication. We have an ultimate you know we have an ultimate ability to completely redefine and change the the environment that is around us, like in itself. We're the only thing that can do that. That's on earth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I like I like what you're saying there. The idea that animals are like our older brother. Because um, I, I think the idea of like seeing them as, you know, like kin, as seeing them as equal and stuff like that is, you know, yeah. the overall theme of this. But yeah, like I the mean, idea like- of... The idea of older brother, uh, sorry, I'll pass back in real quick, is uh, what I visualize there is the idea that, like, they've been here longer than us. <laughs> you know, like, we kind of forget that. And and, and so just because they've been here longer than us doesn't mean they're less than us. In many ways, they, they've actually got a lot more figured out. And and I think the very simple thing, and we'll get into this, animals are here to humble us. Animals are here to help us deconstruct our ego in, in a lot of ways. Kyle, go ahead. Pass them back to you. Yeah, 100%. Like, you, you had very good key points right there i think they are i think animals are actually here to be humble you know what i mean animals do humble us because like when you witness like two animals going at it or if you happen to witness you know like an animal going after its prey and getting its prey and seeing that kind of like violence in in nature and that kind of like chaos in its own thing and how like an animal would run up and hunt its prey and you know what I mean? Like eviscerate it and do its thing. You know what I mean? That's a pretty scary thing. You know, what I mean? for most people in the world to see. You know what I mean, like, so that is actually a, a pretty humbling thing in itself. You know what I mean? If somebody would, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a, it's a tragedy. It carries a lot of pain and anguish. There's a lot of, you know what I mean? It, 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 there's a lot of violence in like in the gore, but it's humbling. It puts us in a perspective and in a place. And it kind of reminds us of our mortality, you know what I mean? Because we kind of tend to get in the mixed up, especially in today's age, where we're like, think that we're invincible almost, you know what I mean? Sometimes we need to remember, remember we're the same thing as that. We're that same flesh, you know what I mean? It's, you know what I mean? Like, it's a dangerous place. And the fact that we can exist and we can create safety and stuff around us, like physically, you know what I mean? Protect us from the environment. You know what I mean? We're very, we're very, um, us, we're very, like, susceptible thing 
to the environment. We change that way because mm -hmm. we have a basis on our technology and our ability to completely change this environment. But you look at animals, they're really tough. They're a lot tougher than we are. You know what I mean? They exist out there in that. We don't anymore. Every single one of us on a different level of intelligence and connection to the cosmos and to the earth. And I think the animals just speak for the earth. I think, you know what I mean? That's, that's why they're here. They speak for the earth. We just have, we just have a different level of mastery consciousness, man. You know what I mean? And I definitely think that, oh no, but the whole older brother thing, that's actually something that I learned when I was in North Dakota uh, at the No Dapple protest, John. Um, when I talked to them, that's what they said, that the, because the buffalo is their older brother. And because that's like they provide for them, you know what I mean? Like in the, in the winter, you know what I mean? Like it's hard to grow enough stuff to make it last. And even when you do grow enough, you know what I mean? More people are going to be coming along anyway. You have to have a livestock to survive. You have to be able to, you know, to have something that's going to survive all the way through the winter that you could you know, eat. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like yeah. That that is the reason that we exist today, because we have adapted to that. You know what I mean? So I don't think it's yeah. wrong. Like I said, it's definitely like a a boundary. It's definitely a yeah. yeah i like um mind. sorry if you don't <clears throat> mind me jumping in kyle oh no, yeah you're good. you're good that's good um i like i like what you're saying there again about like the toughness of animals i think that's so true is that animals are just incredibly versatile and, and you're right like any other animal uh they adapt to their environment whereas we as humans we take the the often alternative route where we adapt our environment to us you know like it's just like oh, I can't survive out in the woods. I know I'll build a house, you know, I'll, I'll build a comfort and stuff like that. Whereas like animals will just like, well, looks like we'll just have to survive this monsoon season. Yet even still, they'll probably like build like some sort of like actual like comfort for themselves as much as they yeah, can. Yeah, they down one, one way or the other. Yeah, absolutely. They do what it need. They do what they need to survive. And and again, like this is where I think you get to this idea that animals are by nature very intuitive. They're very close to source. They're very, uh, you know, like whereas we as humans, we often get into this place where we our our higher cognitive abilities, the neocortex, at the very least, if we just want to think about it as that, often gives us this ability of uh, what we can recognize as free will. Yet it is also this opportunity to sort of doubt our intuition. Uh, yet I feel that animals don't necessarily do that. They don't really sort of doubt. They kind of have this like innate instinct that kind of comes through them and this is where it gets really interesting because again it's like what is consciousness like consciousness if i'll just try taking a crack at it here consciousness is kind of like the intelligence of the universe that can come through a variety of vessels and vehicles so to speak so again um the big thing within uh, my own shift in consciousness and, and we'll pass it around in a second I was and this is simple but I'm stating the obvious was like the 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 moment when and I remember like this happening because it, it, it I didn't see it like this all the time but I remember at some point where I was just like looking into either the animal like the eyes of either my dogs or like the eyes of you know even like a livestock or something and I'm just like hmm 
very interesting. Like they have the same eyes as us, you know, like, and, and that's always like that, that moment where the eyes, they're not just like these things in our head. I feel that they're like almost like energetic portals so that when you're connecting with the eyes of another being, you're literally seeing yourself in them. You're seeing the consciousness, you're seeing the universe coming through in them. And, and there's this very humbling uh, experience that, that comes out of this. Um, I, I felt like I, I almost had like a, a question I, I wanted to throw uh, in, in Rainey's uh, direction. Um, I'm not exactly sure what question that was going to be, uh, but maybe. Uh, mm, 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 um, yeah, Rainey, maybe I, I'll, I'll just kind of want to ask you, like, I, what, what do you like uh, in terms of like the intelligence with, within animals? Like, how do you. Um, uh, how do you sort of like see that coming through within like a variety of creatures and, and stuff? Um, I know it's a very general question. Uh, Rainy, if you're there, I'm just going to pull up your microphone or, or anything else you just want to say. I just kind of felt called to passing it over to you. Sure, yeah. I feel like uh, every animal, I feel like any living being, whether it be plants or animal, has uh, some level of consciousness. Um, so let's say a, an, a plant, like a, a blade of grass obviously does not have the same sort of consciousness as say a human um, simply because it does not have the internal structure to allow it to have the same sort of experience. Like it does not have eyeballs. It does not have teeth. It does not have ears or nose. To hear, you know. um, but it does have the ability to, um, to, to sense, and that's been proven. It has the ability to sense. It may not have the ability to feel pain, um, but it does have the ability to react to stimuli. And so if, we, if, if we're looking at, say, a blade of grass versus a human, um, everything in between, I do believe humans are one of the most, uh, are, are a very special species. So I, I guess that's a bit of ego for me to put us at the, at the, the very apex like that. But I'm just trying to say, like, Yes, there are, are beings in between, say, um, I don't know, a mosquito or something that obviously has a, a less, less of a processing power than our huge human brain, right? So um, I think everything has consciousness. Everything has a soul. It has a being that is inhabiting its body and experiencing what um, it, it is experiencing. Um, but I do believe that the experience definitely varies from animal to animal. But when it, with the things that really matter, which I believe is sort of like um, love for its family, pain, feeling pain, um, running away from, from pain or, or threat, um, building shelter or seeking shelter, um, you know, nestling up to its mother to suck its its uh the breast milk or to um you know as all mammals do that um i think we have like i said in the beginning way more in common with animals than we than we don't and i think uh that is often overlooked and um we as i did a moment ago like to put ourselves on a pedestal and i said we are the absolute apex of of, uh, um, of human of, of evolution, and we have every right to do anything on this planet simply because we have the opposable thumbs to get it done. We have every right to do everything terrible and great on this planet. Um, 
and I don't think that's necessarily uh, right. I think I think we with great responsibility, with great power, becomes becomes great responsibility, and I think we as humans are not taking that responsibility seriously or even at all, um, as as we seem to think that we have we are entitled to whatever we want to do. Uh, I'm kind of taking this that question off on a real big tangent there, but. I think, yeah, man, I think, I think all animals are extremely conscious, um, more so than we probably believe as, as I, I forget his name, he was talking about bird calls and, um, yeah, man, every, like, just because we can't understand the language of the animal does not mean that that length, that animal is, is unintelligent as we humans do to each other. We, we often, um, go through xenophobia or, or racism or, or whatever simply because we can't understand or we don't understand something about another race um, we, we tend to label them as subhuman um, or as animal as we as we have done to many races we we call them um, we use derogatory animal names to to call uh, as uh, African Americans were called monkeys and, and terrible shit like that so we we tend to subhumanize we i yeah you know i'm going with this but i think animals are extremely conscious and uh they deserve respect and they deserve to be free living um beings and to to have their own life and to live their own life and to not be caged or or end their life prematurely especially um from, fuck, I'm taking this in a whole vegan agenda sort of direction, but that's me. So, um, yeah, man, animals are conscious. Animals feel pain. Animals are amazing. Animals are amazing. I dig it, man. Totally do. Yeah, man. And, and, um, yeah, just kind of like, uh, going off what you're saying there and thank you, Randy. Um, just going back to the consciousness thing, you know, I, I, I just kind of want to explain this in a little bit of a different way and then i'm going to read a comment from the live chat and then we're going to pass it over to a uh, cat uh, she'll be able to introduce herself and then we also have pandora who's in here and there might be a couple other people joining as we go um uh, i think it, in some ways you know again we sort of like value the worth of of a sentient being based on the level of their consciousness so to speak but i feel as if like consciousness isn't something that is like some sort of a quantitative mass that is inside of a being but rather consciousness is like almost like a flow of water that is constantly going through a being and so that being can be thought of as almost like a computer like a processor kind of what you were saying rainy and, and even brian was kind of alluding to this um and so like that's kind of the idea is that consciousness is this thing that kind of exists everywhere. It exists outside and inside, and then it flows through. And then based on the dynamics and the intricacy of that vehicle, it allows uh, the consciousness sort of, sort of be uh, like displayed through the characteristics of that being. So yes, in the same way, that's what you were saying, Rainey, is that like grass is conscious in its own way because there's consciousness going through it. But the instruments with inside the dynamics of grass, molecular compounds and structures uh, allows this consciousness to exhibit its, its characteristics in different ways, as well as with different animals and stuff like that. So uh, absolutely, absolutely. Again, this is all going back to this idea of, you know, like, yes, we are all interconnected and, and uh, as, you know, as common and cliche as that is, it's just important to be able to, uh, again, not only practice having these conversations here, but to continue these conversations out into the bigger public spheres because 
as we were kind of saying, it's weird because so many people have been brainwashed into this disconnection between themselves and animals. They have been led this story that they uh, see as the primary narrative that, again, is a very ego-driven and animals are here for food. They're here for, you know, our labor and things like that. They're just pets. They're there for our amusement. These are constant narratives that we're being subjected to. And it takes a lot of effort to kind of shift that paradigm, to go outside that box, to think for yourself and to, again, experience experiences for yourself and one of the great ways to do that is by like having an intimate connection with an animal uh, and that's something that we're all fortunate enough to have we're all fortunate enough to have that through uh you know a lot of experience with pets and, and everything a lot of us like you know why do humans always want to have pets and stuff like that it's not like the animals are literally just there for their entertainment but it's because they develop an emotional connection and they actually develop a relationship and they actually develop love between themselves and this animal because again you know it becomes their family it becomes their friend it becomes their brother their sister uh, it becomes their equal in, in a lot of ways and 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 i think so again as we kind of get into this topic um we can look at the different types of animals and what some of the different types of animals can actually teach us so again you know we can talk about doggos we can talk about cattos uh we can talk about wolf wolfos uh and some of the other things i was just talking about we can talk about like you know like flamingos they have very interesting breeding habits we can talk about apes uh we can talk about the bonobo monkeys uh the bonobo monkeys are kind of like the lesser known um uh, we'll get into this a little bit later, but in, in a lot of ways, people say we evolved from like chimpanzees. Uh, chimpanzees are kind of like, if, if relative to the the bonobo, this is one thing that somebody kind of explained to me once. Uh, the chimpanzees or, or the apes or whatever we kind of say that we're evolved from, so to speak, if we're using that narrative, uh, they're kind of like this very uh, sort of like, um, if I could use the, the general term of like a, a male energy, sort of like that, that kind of like stern, rigid survival type uh, kind of, I'm not explaining it the best way I can, but the bonobos um, are these other monkeys that, that are very much similar, yet they exhibit different characteristic traits. They're like a very much more kind of like friendly and intuitive and very much almost like the female side of like the chimpanzee, like, you know, things were kind of evolving and one thing went to apes and one things went to bonobos. Um, and the bonobos just kind of have like their own sort of uh, exhibited intelligence. Uh, that's a little bit different from the chimpanzees. So if you haven't heard of bonobo monkeys, uh, just kind of take a look at those. Uh, and if you're looking for just good resources in general, you know, like how can I see more of the consciousness around me? Uh, rather than going to a zoo or something like that, go watch a documentary like Planet Earth. Uh, Planet Earth 2. Those are great documentaries that show some amazing examples of uh, all the different species and, and the intelligence and the consciousness that, that we have here on, on this earth. And, uh, you know, again, beyond this topic, we can expand it, you know, like, what do animals look like outside of this planet? Like, are animals, again, you know, animals slash humans, something that could exist on other planets? Let's try and imagine, you know, how would an animal appear on another planet? So again, that's, that's kind of getting out there and stuff. Um, so I just kind of want to read a comment here from the live chat and I'm going to pass over to Kat to do her introduction, anything they want to talk about. Um, and uh, Maxie was saying, he said, uh, uh, Maxie was saying, they were saying, wouldn't animals be closer to elemental beings, especially amphibians? Maybe they are advanced forms of primordial elemental characteristics. So I thought that was really cool because again, I think we see that and that's something that within the bigger kind of bigger picture of things we forget that we forget that we as humans literally are this compilation of the elements earth wind water fire and 
ether spirit so to speak and uh you know again we kind of like are this this encapsulated totality of a, of a nice balance of all the elements so to speak yet within the animal kingdom we obviously see different animals that are very innately and intimately close to specific elements you know you have the fish that are in the sea you have the birds that are in the air you have the insects and the other like types of mammals that live like under the ground um do you do we have animals that 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 would exhibit fire in a sense i that's kind of you know i'm just kind of thinking that off the top of my head um but again you know it's like it's not too different from Pokemon, if we want to think about it that way. You know, the Pokemon were always about, like, the elementals and stuff. So, again, it's just kind of interesting because you start to see this, this spiritual value uh, behind what the animals carry with them. And this is where you start to get into, like, the ancient teachings and the native teachings that each and every animal is actually a teacher. Each and every animal exhibits a specific characteristic in a nature that we can learn from. And in a lot of ways, this is kind of a bigger theory let's assume just to play with it that maybe in past lives each of us have actually lived as different animals and maybe as we kind of like evolved into this human form like maybe some of us bring with us a bit of those characteristics into our nature and stuff uh so again you know like i always for me personally i talk about my relationship with a wolf and stuff and, and as much as i can say like oh maybe i was part wolf maybe maybe not i don't know i can equally say i can look to the wolf as a teacher by learning from it and studying its nature so within this broadcast i'd love to take a look at some specific specific examples of animals and what are some of their teachings? What are some of their characteristics that we can actually learn from? Uh, another thing that I did want to get into later into this broadcast is, um, again, just like the, the th one thing that we can learn from animals uh, very intimately um, is some of the stuff that we don't always want to look at, but, but it, it's literally the topic of death. And this is where, you know, again, like Rainy was kind of talking about this and stuff like that. And, and I wanted to have our friend Abby on the show. Abby, uh, Abby is a super awesome activist and, and uh, I'll make sure that you guys, you guys can check her out on the Paradigm Show Central website. She's under the Patreons, but she like goes out of her way to go to vigils uh, to like to, vigils are where they go to like uh, stand outside of slaughterhouses. And then that's when the animals are coming in on the trucks and they bear witness to them before they go into the slaughter and stuff. And so again, you know, like when you're seeing an animal like that close to death or like that sort of like fear state, um, that like just brings it to a whole nother visceral level. Or, or if you're with an animal, uh, as many of us experience through having pets, when you have to like put them down and stuff like that, like there is a huge lesson in that when you can sort of be with them and, and the consciousness kind of like comes and goes and stuff like that. So, I mean, without having to get into like super, super heavy themes in this moment, uh, I do just want to say that, yeah, we can talk about that. We can talk about that within this broadcast because there's an infinite amount of ways that animals are here to teach us. And, and I think, again, that's the important thing is like, step back what are they teaching us uh you know there's yeah there's a lot to talk about so let's keep bouncing around and um we'll pass it over to cat so cat if you're there i'm just going to bring up your microphone and you can just introduce yourself by just saying who you are uh where you're from if you want and just kind of like what brings you to this topic and maybe why is it of interest to you and anything else you want to say so cat go go ahead and pull up your microphone now so whenever you're ready can you guys cool. hear me okay yes it sounds okay Okay, good. Um, wasn't sure because I have my headphones in right now. Um, so I guess I come with a lot of questions more than like answers, but I definitely am interested in this um, because I've always felt a strong connection to animals just by having a lot of pets as a kid. I feel like I've had like so many different pets growing up. Like I've, I've went through like a dog, I've had a cat, I've had frogs, I've had um, like I've had a lizard, I've had a rabbit. Like I've had so many different types of pets. So I got to grow up with animals and um, I got to like 
work on farms before and get to experience like what what animals are like when they're living in that scenario. So for me, I like understanding uh, a deeper symbiotic relationship with like like the symbiotic relationship between like humankind and animals and how that's always been like this this thing that's happened um, and existed and um, kind of I think the, the biggest thing I'm really curious about and just understanding is the role in which animals have on humans lives and the roles that which animals have on human lives and how that like factors into um, growth and healing. Um, I was just out like a few hours ago and uh, I saw a, a man with his service dog and just being able to like witness that knowing that I was going to come and talk about this today kind of reminded me of that. Uh, just seeing that like whether or not you have um, like a physical disability or, or you need assistance like animals have like such a profound healing on us and it's vice versa like it's it applies to both ways. I know I've definitely uh, witnessed a lot of through through my own pets. Um, yeah, and I'm kind of interested in talking about a bit about stuff that we already touched on around like different levels of consciousness within different types of animals, like not just animals that are mammals, but animals that like insects and bugs and why we tend to like separate consciousness and why we tend to favor one over the other. Um, you know, like, like I went camping recently and I, and I, I was with a couple friends and I noticed that like one of my friends was about to kill a spider and I was like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Why don't you do that? Just cause it's small and it can't perceive things in the same way. So I think it's really interesting, Brendan, like you were saying, how we have like these narratives of like what animals mean to us. So I'm kind of interested in hearing about uh, what everyone else has to say and any thoughts and ideas. Um, I'm interested in learning about like what uh, people have to say about diet and animals. Um, I'm interested in kind of talking about like the innate knowledge uh, that animals have within them, like uh, in order to survive and kind of navigate throughout their own world. Um, prime example being like this bird's nest that I, I ended up gathering um, in my front lawn the other day. Um, yeah, it's just really fascinating to be able to see like how animals just innately know how to create something. Um, it's in the programming. And of course humans have that too, but we also have to like kind of focus a lot and try to figure things out. And um, yeah, I'm not really sure, but <laughs> there's just a lot, there's a lot I want to hear about. And, uh, yeah, it's exciting to be here. Awesome. Sweet. Thank you, Kat, for, for joining. And yeah, absolutely. Like one thing um, in, in just kind of like with what you're talking about there, again, just kind of like summarizing a lot of what we were talking about uh, as well. One thing uh, that somebody was just saying in the in the live chat, and I'll just kind of put this out there and then we'll kind of uh, we'll get into Pandora and then we'll kind of get into some more general questions uh, is the idea of is animal consciousness evolving alongside human consciousness? So I think I think that in itself is like a really rich question, right? Because it's just like, okay, we acknowledge that like we are changing, we as humans are changing, our animals changing, our animals like actually becoming in some ways like more self-aware. Like, what does it mean for them to be sort of like for their consciousness to be shifting as well? Like, is that is it possible? You know, and I'm just asking this: is it possible? for you know an animal to kind of have its own spiritual awakening its own spiritual revelation revelation um and you know first thing that comes to mind is is i just imagine uh the consciousness of a bear 
and, and, and bears like are again, you know, like very intelligent beings. Uh, and, and <laughs> one of the things that they are known to do is actually to eat like psychedelic mushrooms. And so I think it's very just, again, trying to imagine the consciousness of a bear and even not just bears, there's other animals, there's like foxes and stuff that do this too. But imagine just, you know, like an animal kind of like in a psychedelic state and just being able to comprehend because, uh, and this is just kind of, again, getting, I'm just kind of thinking of it as we go. Um, we, you know, our, our self-talk, when we think to ourselves, there's like a voice that's inside of our head. What do animals have, right? Like they must have their own voice. And like, what language does that talk in, so to speak, you know, like, we're, we're, we're kind of sitting there and we're just like thinking about things and we can hear this like English talking voice. Like, does a dog think in barks or does it think in emotions or does it think in like varying degrees of yes and no's and maybes and stuff like that? Um, again, it's just, I'm just kind of posing these questions because I think a big part of this topic and, and the concept of animals is that there is a mystery to it. And, and that's a good thing because that continues to drive us forward. Um, and I feel like it is something that we are continuing to want to learn more about, um, even even just like in the idea of again, this is just kind of a side topic, uh, but uh, the idea of animals dreaming is again an, another thing that I think is worth paying attention to. We see that we see animals dreaming. We see the there's something going on. So if we're talking about the bigger idea of when, when we when we dream, like a common thing we talk about within Paradigm Shift Central is the concept of like, yeah, your physical body's lying down, but then like your spiritual body, your astral body is literally like in the higher dimensional planes, the astral planes, and it's doing things and it's creating and it's learning. Do animals do that too? And, and, and I feel like they do. Maybe not necessarily all animals, because I feel that ability is kind of like coinciding with the ability of the vehicle to begin with. Um, you know, do insects dream? Maybe not. Maybe because like the processing of that computer that they're in, the body that they're, they're in, uh, doesn't really, isn't really meant for it, so to speak. Um, whereas like perhaps dreams are only inside beings that uh, are, are like able to benefit from dreams. Therefore, do dogs learn from within their dreams? And again, like do cats dream? And I think one thing that we talk that we can kind of see is, and this is just an idea is that I swear, um, some cats are like, I, I guarantee you, there are some cats here on earth who are probably like ascended masters and they probably like lived a life as a human. And then they came back as a cat and they were just like, yeah, I'm just going to like chill out as a cat and sleep all day. And then when I dream about things, I'm actually going to dream about being like a human or any other, like a, a person or any other sort of being and not necessarily a cat. Like this is where you start getting into this idea because like, I swear cats are super freaking intelligent. If you just kind of like see one sitting there, I think it's pretty obvious. And, um, who knows, maybe in the future we'll be able to more actively, uh, open. This is an interesting question. Are there ways we're moving towards that will be able to open up uh, actual dialogue and conversation between ourselves and other animals and animals, you know, be it through technology or maybe some sort of psychedelic experience? Like if you were, oh my God, okay, sorry. I'm just like throwing all these ideas out there. Um, what if you were to do mushrooms with a bear? What if you were to do mushrooms with a friendly bear and you were to sit across from him and meditate with that bear and do eye gazing? Would you be able to like psychically communicate with that bear? Because People talk about being able to be able to have like psychic communication when they're on mushrooms with other people on mushrooms. 
are, is that something we as humans have yet to explore? Is that something that we can be open to? And again, I feel like even the natives, um, whether it was through a psychedelic experience, they had their own form of communicating with the animals. They, they would recognize uh, the language of the universe through the animals' movements. You know, when like the certain, uh, when the animals were migrating, that would mean that something was happening or, or, or any way sort of like that. Um, so yeah, I think looking into how we can establish better relationship and communications with animals is very important because anything that we do on our individual personal scale is actually being uh, like inputted into the collective totality as a whole. So uh, yeah, see if you can like get a chance to like connect with some sort of animal, be it a pet, be it, you know, like a, a cow at a farm, be it a horse or something like that. Um, just kind of open up to that because maybe, maybe all we need to do is show the animals that we're listening and maybe then they'll, they'll start talking to us. Maybe they're waiting for us. Maybe we're not waiting for them. So so just a couple of ideas there. Um, yeah, thank you again, everyone, for tuning in. If you guys are tuned in live, it's 11.11 on the clock, and uh, we'll keep bouncing around. Let's just take a quick, simple breath to just kind of get into a little bit of a moment of oneness, and then we're going to pass the talking stick over to Pandora, and we're going to keep the conversation going. So just inviting you guys to do a micro-meditation here and just connect with your breath. I'm not going to really guide you through this, but just allow yourself to connect with the idea of being connected to animals, seeing them as equal, seeing them as consciousness. So just take a couple moments here, gentle breaths, connect to this moment of oneness. Go ahead. One more breath. Good. And continue to allow your breath to naturally unfold. Gently bring your awareness back to the circle. Awesome. So we'll pass the talking stick around. Um, Oh, it looks like Pandora actually dropped, but if they're back, we'll, we'll get them back in to introduce themselves in a second. Um, but yeah, so another thing that just came to mind, and after this, let's just open up the conversation wherever and, and we'll co-create it. Um, are there some animals that meditate? You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking this out loud and I'm thinking like, are there times when we see animals literally appreciating sort of like the aesthetics of the reality around them? So what I mean by this is, do we ever see animals like watching sunrises or watching sunsets? Do animals recognize beauty? Do they appreciate beauty in the same way? Um, this is just an interesting question, you know, and I feel exploring that kind of opens up some interesting doors. So, okay, guys, uh, I'm just going to allow uh, the microphones just kind of be opened up. So, um, yeah, if anybody has any sort of particular topics that they just kind of want to bring into the discussion circle, please feel free to do that. Uh, I know, Brian, you, you had some points that you wanted to throw in the chat. So, um, Brian, if you want, we can pass it to you. Uh, and, and then, yeah, uh, welcome yeah. To interrupt at any point. I don't mind at all. Okay, go, go, ahead, go ahead, Brian. And then guys, as long as we're not just talking over each other, just kind of either raise your hand or leave a comment in the chat and we'll moderate it as best we can. Brian, go right ahead, man. Okay, so I think with animals, like they don't have the quick chirpness that we have with the memes that are words, you know, like they have their own language, but it's much more singing. So whales, you know, 
swoon or, you know, or sing very slowly and have pitch and everything. But we, we talk chirp, 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 chirp. And you know exactly what I'm saying. You know, it's as clear as it can be to our understanding of the word. So I think with animals, they can read emotions and they read gestures a lot better too. Like, uh, my cat will stare at me and know, know what I'm thinking. And I don't even know what I'm thinking half the time. <laughs> um, I think about our consciousness and I question like how susceptible we are as animals. I noticed in advertising in terms of psychology, like in the 1920s, during the, the roaring 20s, most of the products in, in the capitalistic society we lived in had advertisements of functionality and durability, reasons you would actually want to buy a product or, you know, just, yeah. But in the 1950s, there was this uh, scientist, this uh, guy, this psych psychologist that his name began with a W and, and I'm sure a psychologist right now knows the name, but uh, it has to deal with uh, sexuality in advertising. And that is our animal instincts. And if you look at it today, look at a gum commercial, a booze commercial, a cigarette commercial, and in a magazine ad or on a radio station, you know, just the catchy tune, you should be driving a key uh, is playing all the time on the radio over here. And uh, it, it's interesting how we're susceptible to, to fall into the trap of wanting the void, you know, and I'm, I don't want to be so negative. I'm going to go on from there. Just, you know, I'm, I'm welcoming anyone to talk about these subjects and, and bounce back ideas. And with your, with everyone else's subjects, I'm writing down everything as I'm going along. So uh, adaptation, um, we're all in this field together. Bonobos are apes, and it, it's cool. Like um, we're we're all existing. So it's it's a it's a thought process to really think about. If you are the last in your succession, if you're the last male or female, you know you didn't have kids. You are the last male or female in that branch of existence, and so you're the last animal to exist in that existence you know, like in, in terms of uh, current consciousness. Um, I'm fascinated by DNA. It's, it's, it's its own language and there's hiccups in our DNA. If you cause a problem in DNA ordinarily, like it causes cancer or at birth, it can cause physical handicaps. With also DNA, we evolved to accept viruses. There was a study done on flies um, I think they're just ordinary house flies. I got another study on fruit flies. I want to talk about, I'll talk about some other time, but, uh, the flies I want to talk about, um, I'll talk about the fruit flies first. There were, there was a study of, uh, this black licorice smell that the fruit flies were put into tubes and there was, uh, the fork in the road in the tubes and one side of the tube allowed them to go to the black licorice smell. The other side of the tube let them just exist in a neutral smell. The first generation of, of fruit flies went to the black, or went to the black licorice smell, and they were electrocuted mildly. They weren't hurt supposedly, but you know, in science, a lot of animals are hurt, unfortunately, with the animal cruelty. But excuse me, the next step after that was uh, the next generation of fruit flies. They kept doing it generation after generation, so memories were actually learned in the DNA from from this study, and there's proof of it. And then another thing that we have to consider with animals and, and the flies too, is uh, in the fly DNA, the house fly DNA I was talking about earlier, they found this virus in the DNA and they didn't understand why it existed. And they, they figured out ultimately that, uh, that this fly, 
and incorporated the, the virus in its DNA in order to survive. And so with us, we have that same fly virus DNA and it's, it's, it's a common ancestor is what we found out. And that's, what's kind of mind blowing about the whole thing is like life existed, I think for a billion years on this planet or no. Yeah. I think it's a billion years. And I think our planets existed for 4 billion years and um, life. It's crazy how we, and we actually cause differences on our planet. We have just recently caused with uh, climate change, this higher carbon dioxide. And that's mostly caused by methane and uh, nitrous oxides from livestock more so than it is uh, uh, automobiles. But um, yeah, that's about all the notes I have for now. I can keep talking. I have other notes too, but I didn't look at them. But uh, anyone's willing to, anyone who wants to jump in can jump right in. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. I'll, I'll just say uh, real quick, I'm a big fan of the, of the, uh, the point that you mentioned about um, how uh, learned habits and, and traits are passed on through DNA. I, I think just the idea that we can actually observe that within animals gives more credence to the fact that it is happening with us as humans. So again, you know, like we as humans, like we, we evolve like physically in subtle ways. We evolve spiritually in subtle yet sometimes more obvious ways. And yet we're also evolving through social patterns. So again, you know, like uh, in, in a lot of ways, our sort of unconsciousness and, and our selfishness and our ego prime nature uh, is something that has kind of been encoded into our DNA that's been passed on. But we have the opportunity to change that even within this lifetime alone to be able to affect that within future generations. Because, yeah, it's very interesting um, just like how the instincts of, of an animal are already there when they're born you know they already know like the subtle things of like how to you know like a, a deer when it is born it, it like comes out walking basically it knows or, how to or, walk exactly i agree with yeah, you and yeah. what's crazy about us is that we are the first uh animals to be we're almost marsupials we're, we're mammals don't get me wrong and uh marsupials are a type of mammal and oftentimes most of the marsupials in australia because that's how they evolved that branch evolved that way you know there's koalas kangaroos wallabies uh, wombats, so on and so forth. On our side, there's just like the ugly possum in North America, and there are cuter possums in Europe, from my understanding. But um, uh, our minds are not developed when we're born because we have such large brains, they're mush when we're born. They literally, you know, our skulls aren't even formed properly yet. So we're underdeveloped when we're born. We aren't able to talk or walk basically after our first year of existence. You look at a giraffe, it has to know how to run its first day or it will die. So we have a very different culture. It's not just the homo sapiens. It's what's before us, the culture that existed before us too, the villages. Because in order for babies to be evolved, to, to be so weak when they're born, then um, there's, that's another topic. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm, my mind's scanned ever. I, I had so much caffeine. Um, <laughs> but uh, cuteness, cuteness in animals. Yeah, that's yes. the thing. That is a thing, and it's it's a it's usually with the young. It's usually with certain animals that we find have attributing factors to it, like dogs or or cats, or whatever parrots or whatever. Those are what we keep as pets. But the cuteness of animals is a survival technique in our deep ingrained in our instincts to actually take care of. You know what I'm saying? So, um, let me look. Uh, I'm willing to pass the mic, but I do have cool. other things I can talk about. Perfect. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's save them. And, and, and those are some key points okay. there. Absolutely, man. Awesome. 
Um, sweet. Okay. I, I was just going to say um, one thing uh, as we we're kind of doing this and, and I know we're kind of, you know, we're, we're, there's a lot of topics that are kind of happening parallel to each other here. Um, I just want to mention one thing and then just opening up the conversation to anything else you guys want to add in or any questions you might have for the group and stuff. Um, there's a comment in the live chat and someone was just mentioning the hundredth monkey effect relative to the DNA changing. So again, you know, that's the thing that's, that's an idea that we, that we observe that is not just something within animals, but it's something within humans. And again, I think a lot of people are familiar with the hundredth monkey effect, the idea that there's like two islands with monkeys on them separated by water. And then on one Island, the monkeys learn how to use tools to like open coconuts or clean coconuts and stuff and then the the other island of monkeys learns how to do this within like their own like timeline without actually physically being in like correlation to the first monkeys so it's almost as if like it was inject as the, as one group learned it it kind of went into the collective conscious cloud and then it came into the other culture of monkeys uh, as well so again it's just kind of going back to that interconnectedness that as we learn things as humans it, it goes beyond uh you know just like the physical notion of teaching things it's almost like a subtle thing that kind of just begins to come through us culturally um i want to go back to the bonobos though uh one of the things i was talking about with the bonobos so again bonobos are still a type of ape but they're a different type of ape than what we're used to we don't really see much about them <clears throat> and i think it's interesting that we don't see much about them because what's different about bonobos is that with the bonobos the females are actually in charge and and, and the females uh if if there's like a male chimp uh, among the among the bonobos who um, <clears throat> who may be getting out of line or harassing a female, all the other females gang up gang up on that male bonobo, and uh, so it's like this idea of like you know like solidarity and leadership, and and the bonobos are very affectionate. Um, they're very like uh, polyamorous, if that's the right term for bonobos. They're like very like uh, promiscuous and, and stuff, and, and like sex and food is like a big part of, of their lifestyle and everything. Uh, but they also have like a very dynamic and, and a rich uh, structure to the way that they live. Um, again, that I feel is uh, very much something that just by observing it, we can start to kind of like see other patterns within within culture and stuff. So I want to get stuff later. I want to talk a little bit more about like wolves and everything. There's something I've mentioned in other broadcasts about like the teachings of the wolf and stuff, but we'll get to that a little bit later. So uh, just opening up the, the discussion circle. So anybody who wants to take the talking stick, please feel free to do so at this point. So I'll just kind of uh, pull the microphones up or you guys can just kind of raise your hand so I can see if anybody wants to say anything. So either Jam, Cat, or, or Rainy. Rainy, go ahead. Anybody um, else jumping after? Go ahead, Rainy. Well, <laughs> um, I don't know exactly what I want to talk about, but um, you, I guess I'll talk about the, the bonobos and, and chimps and stuff because I think they're obviously the closest to us and we can learn a lot from them because of that. Not that we can't from other animals, but like you said, they, are, are, they live in a, a matriarchy, so they have the, the females leading the pack. And chimpanzees have, have live in a, a patriarchy, and they have the, the males leading the pack. And like you said, um, the, the bonobos are much more peaceful, um, and the chimpanzees are much more aggressive and much more um, uh, violent, and they eat much more um, animal flesh, and they they have rituals where they're, they're, very, they're really quite violent and I, I would argue um, illogical. Um, and I think that's something that we suffer from um, 
not necessarily because we live in a patriarchy, but I think that there's uh, something that's been written in, in basically virtually every culture on the planet saying that um, the patriarchy and the, the aggressive nature of humans and the um, very illogical and superstitious and um, violent and, you know, just incredibly, incredibly violent nature of humans is largely due to the fact that our brains are literally shrinking and our ability to, um, to really use our brains in the way that they may be meant to be used. Um, basically, we're using only the part of our brains that is ex extremely, extremely uh, left brain, extremely... Um, violent and, and competitive. Um, it's very, it's, it's like our brains have, are devolving a mammalian, simplistic neocortex that, that, that we often pride ourselves um, to say that we uh, have evolved past um, into compassion and empathy and all these things that we attribute to being human. I know that was probably hard to follow, but I, I, I've, I've been working with this independent researcher. His name is Tony Wright, and he is basically the human brain and um, the developmental windows of the human neural system and how we began to grow such a large brain and why for the last 200,000 years thinking. Um, and this does parallel a little bit in, in the bonobo and chimpanzee paradigm, but um, I think that's just sort of a validation that it's happening to other species. Basically, um, I, I believe, and there's tons of data to support this, that this is all happening to us because we left the Garden of Eden or the forests of Africa or the place for evolution for millions of years to live elsewhere and, and, and thus our diet changed and our lifestyle changed and our, we became more competitive because the, the, our, our environment was much more harsh. Um, but the, the main thing is that we stopped eating the diet that we evolved on for millions of years, which is essentially a frugivorous fruit-based diet. And this is why our closest relatives are the bonobos and the, and the, the chimpanzees who eat primarily fruit and primarily greens and um, they, they obviously have a similar um, digestive system and, and physiology as we do. But what I'm trying to get into is that um, I think it's not only extremely important that we, I think the reason that we, I'm sorry about all this noise, I had to find Wi-Fi because I ran out of data and I'm right next to the street, but. Um, I think the reason that we feel compassion towards animals and feel this oneness um, in, towards other animals is because that is our original state of mind. That's the state of mind that we developed in millions of years through a symbiotic relationship, through plants, through our environment, through with animals. You know, um, I believe we had a symbiotic relationship for the vast majority of, of uh, our existence um, evolving into humans and the, the last 200,000 years that we have been uh, deviating from our original 
symbiotic relationship and, and diet, uh, our brains have actually been shrinking. We've literally lost, this isn't something I believe, we've literally lost uh, about a, a tennis ball's worth of uh, area of brain in our skulls. Our skulls have shrunk about the area of a tennis ball in the last 200,000 years. And if you look at every culture on the planet, um, they, they tell stories about our de devolution, basically, our, our degeneration into a much more aggressive, violent species, a much more mammalian, competitive-based species. Um, and this is, a, I think, this is a very, very serious issue. Um, I think this is something that needs to be dress, addressed extremely uh, timely issue because like, like uh, sorry, I forgot his name again, he mentioned that the leading cause of, uh, of climate change right now is cow farts. It's, it's the animal agriculture industry. That's the leading, like all these cars around me, all the boats and planes and, and everything, they don't touch the animal agri agricultural industry. And if this is a diet that we're naturally supposed to be eating, we should be finding that it's an actually it's an ecological diet and and you could argue that we're just overpopulated but it, we're the truth is is we could at a way we could live through permaculture and and uh fruits and vegetable diet a much healthier diet for the planet and for the humans and we wouldn't be having any of these problems that we're having now and we could live in a very narrow band everybody could live in a fucking tropical paradise and we could live with sustainable technology. All we have to do is stop eating animals. Um, all we have to do is use this compassion that we like to tell ourselves that we have evolved, that we're this great compassionate animal. Um, and use it as innocent, voiceless beings on the planet. And we'll gain the benefit of, of amazing health. We'll gain the benefit of ending the environmental destruction on the planet and that the animals will gain um, not being thrown into cages and having their throat slit and being forcibly impregnated and having their children taken away from them so we can drink their breast milk. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's absolute insanity what we're doing here. And um, it's destroying the planet and our, ourselves and, and obviously the animals. <laughs> And that, that is, I think, like, if we want to talk about animal consciousness and all these, these amazing things animals do, we had better uh, stop eating them. Because if we want to appreciate something, we, we can't be killing things. Like, people say that they're animal lovers, but then they go eat animals three times a day. And, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, is they're, they're pet lovers. And the reason that is, is because... You know, they've gained a relationship with these animals and therefore they like them. Therefore, they love them. Therefore, they have compassion and empathy for these animals. But I mean, we, it's hard for us to have uh, a relationship with animals that are um, never shown to us in the and they're just thrown into the slaughterhouse and we just they're served up on a plate and we call it bacon instead of the a piece of a cow's, a piece of a a, a, a pig's ass or a piece of a cow's fucking leg you know um, we use all these euphemisms to try to disconnect us from the fact that you know we're, we're eating the decaying flesh of animals 
And if you show any of these pictures or tell any, any child what we're doing to these animals, when they're children, they will cry and they will become vegetarians on the fucking spot. And they will never allow themselves to be a part of this. And they'll be upset with their parents for, for making them a part of this. And, and we, are, we are compassionate beings from birth. And we're honestly, we're just brainwashed to do this shit. And I'm, I'm getting real, obviously, really sick and tired of it. Um, and, and the fact of the matter is, is we're brainwashed. So all these angry vegans that are really, uh, really abrasive and really rude to other people, um, they need more compassion for people because the fact of the matter is we've been brainwashed. We, we're, we're not supposed to be eating these animals. We don't want to be eating these animals. Well, we think we have to, and we don't. Um, it's, it's the exact opposite. You know, the, the, the Cancer Institute and the Diabetes Institute and all these institutes are in cahoots with the meat and dairy industries. And they know that, that diabetes is caused by a high fat and high protein diet. They know that cancer is caused by acrylamides and processed meats. They know that um, meat and dairy are killing us and causing these diseases. But if you look at their websites, you know, they, on their meal plans, it says meat, meat and eggs, meat, cheese, and fucking eggs. Every, every meal, you got to eat this shit because it has protein. It's this outdated propaganda that was created in the 50s from the meat and dairy industry, paying billions and billions of dollars for us to be eating this, this, uh, these poor beings. Um, and I'm sorry I've hijacked this and turned this into a vegan rant, but I'm really not sorry because I, for 10 years, have sat back and and been very soft and been very um, passive and uh, just kind of been apologetic, been an apologetic vegan saying, oh, you know, it's all right to do what we're doing. But no, we're destroying the planet. And uh, if you look up any any animal rights videos, you'll see that what we're doing is absolutely horrendous. And I know that you would not stand for it. I know everybody here is compassionate and uh, they have respect for being for, for sentient life. And um, I'm sorry if, 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 if this seems a bit harsh, but I think this needs to be spoken about because it's like it's the leading cause of, of whether you believe it or not that it's good for us or whether you care about animals or not. It's the leading cause of environmental destruction. It's destroying our planet. So if we don't do it, um, Basically, all life on Earth is going to be uh, very, very negatively affected to the point where the vast majority of life on Earth could be uh, wiped out and billions of years of evolution could be absolutely um, just fucked. And if we want to get extremely selfish with it uh, in really cold various places of the Earth, then that's not going to be very comfortable in our own lifetimes. So the more that we... You know, like it's a win, 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 win situation just to stop eating animals for our compassion for the planet and the animals, you know, um, rant over. Awesome. Awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, calling it a rant kind of undermines, uh, you know, just like the, the amount of heart put into that. And, and I think it's, uh, you know, it's an important thing. And I, and I know you're a huge advocate of it and you're a huge soldier for it. And I, again, I just want to say, you know, like, I really appreciate you carrying that part of the shift because again, like there's so many different 
facets and avenues as to how this shift in consciousness is happening. But again, you know, like through the through the portal of our connection with the animals is such a key one. Like so many people before they even have like the spiritual sort of like awakening in that sense a lot of people are coming into this awakening through their relationships of their food and through their relationships to animals and stuff like that so again by you just being a carrier uh for that message i, I think it's inviting more people because again you know like that's there's kind of phases with veganism and everything um but i think ultimately they do kind of all lead to the same place of, of like unity oneness and compassion um so again like that's that's super key and and dude you're doing amazing things and and yeah and, and i think you know I, I just to put it out there and stuff like that because I, I, I think there's kind of like two sides to the coin and i'm sure people will have their opinions on it and everything um you know like are there points where it's appropriate to eat meat you know like uh if you're a, a native or something uh and and hunting was still like a, something that that was meant to keep you alive is that still uh you know part is that okay you know quote unquote okay and everything like that um and, and i think uh just kind of like to to put my own sort of understanding on it and stuff like that. Um, I think there's a time and a place where, you know, within the natural evolution of a species uh, where there may be points where like we eat what we need to survive. And this is the same what we see with other animals, you know, other animals eat other animals because they need it, quote unquote, to survive. Uh, we have gotten to the point where now we have the privilege where we do not need it. Like, that's the big difference. That's the difference. So it's like, if we don't need it, then why are we having it? Well, it's because we're selfish, because we're ego driven, because we're addicted and because we're brainwashed, as you were saying. Um, but again, you know, like, I think uh, everyone, I just encourage everyone to, again, you know, just be mindful. And, and, and if you are choosing to eat meat, just allow yourself to think about why you're choosing meat. Because maybe, you know, I think with in some cases with like, uh, working on progressing towards veganism, it's not something that literally just happens overnight, not for everyone, for some people it does. Um, so again, to be patient with ourselves and to understand that it takes sometimes it takes a while to deprogram uh, the programming that we've been indoctrinated to over the course of our years growing up in society. Like for me, um, it took me several years to slowly begin eating less and less and less and less meat. Uh, whereas now at the point, like I, I, it's, I can't say I never eat meat. It will still happen here and there, but it's not really something I like go out of my way for. And like the rare times that it would happen, um, would only, would, I guess it would be like if I was having like Hawaiian pizza or something, but again, you know, like I, I, I understand that even there, there is the option for me to choose not to, but again, that's still something for me to meditate on and stuff. But um, when I do do it, I just make sure that I, I sort of like, I don't hide behind any sort of like facade uh, as to sort of disconnecting what it is that I am partaking in. And, and I think, again, like that's, that's a big part of what the veganism thing is about is that understanding simply by partaking in purchasing and eating meat, you are partaking basically in a uh, global holocaust slaughter you could use big words like that so i mean you are a part of that whether or not you want to be so again a lot of people will choose not to eat meat almost as a, as a form of social protest yet also as an act of compassion and again like that's why you know people need to know why people aren't eating meat and and there's many many answers uh to that I'll just say real quick, um, if anybody hasn't seen, there's a new movie that's come out. Again, these topics are are uh, like veganism has increased 
uh, within the last decade a lot, thanks to people like Rainy and everyone making YouTube videos. It's becoming very uh, well known and talked about. And uh, there was a recent movie that was released on Netflix called Okja, O-K-J-A. And it is basically the story about like a, a, a super pig. It's kind of like a fantasy, but it's still very realistic. So it's about like this genetically modified super pig. And it's about like this young girl in China or Korea rather. And she develops a relationship with raising the pig. And then they take the pig to go get it slaughtered. And this whole, and there's this whole adventure, but it basically like brings uh, the viewer into a look inside what happens through the meat industry and the facade and, and just like a lot of just like the corruption and just like the bullshit um, behind it. So again, you know, as our job with as shifters, as people who are interested in shifting consciousness, it's good to be able to develop that vision to be able to see through the bullshit and to be able to see through again, kind of what uh, even Brian was talking about earlier, you know, again, just like the propaganda that is being fed to us that is uh, really targeting our own animalistic base nature and stuff. So again, as humans who have this this higher degree of cognitive thinking with that comes a duty and comes a responsibility to really be uh caretakers and guardians for the other sentient beings and to you know again be a voice for the voiceless um i i think i think everything is unfolding on this earth exactly how it is meant to whether or not it is bright whether or not it is dark a lot of it again is the darkness that that brings to the surface uh the idea of us being able to acknowledge no this is not what i want let's change it and things like that so unfortunately it seems as if it was part of human nature to go through this amnesia process where we created this meat industry to eventually be able to move beyond it but yeah you know just kind of thinking it thinking outside the box i'd be very curious as to like what aliens quote unquote on other planets eat within their diet i i feel as if consciousness increases it it, it would naturally lead towards the idea of um inflicting as less suffering as possible to any beings and and this is where you get into the idea of yeah you just grow fruit or create some sort of device that can like i I mean this is another thing right like we're moving towards a future where we're starting to be able to synthetically create meat um so some people are leaning towards that will that be something for everything for everyone probably not necessarily uh again even just like the texture of meat and stuff like that i think it's uh it's weird because a lot of the times um people they don't like they don't actually enjoy the taste of meat they actually enjoy the taste of the sauces and uh, the sauces themselves are often plant-based so uh, like that in itself is just kind of funny and ironic um passing the talk and stick around let's uh keep uh adding some more voices into the conversation and thank you again for everyone tuned in please feel free to share this broadcast if you're tuned in live or afterwards and uh if you're checking out any of the recordings you can look up paradigm shift radio on itunes and you can download them there as well as on live.paradigmshiftcentral.com and click the radio button and you'll be able to see the past broadcast through there if you are looking for those so um opening up and again for rainy's uh youtube it's uh symbiotic solutions and i'll include a link in the show note um but maybe, uh, Rainy, just with what you were saying, and maybe just what I said, I just want to be able to pass it back to you if there's anything else you just wanted to say uh, in response to that, and then we'll just uh, pass it around some more. So uh, if there was anything you wanted to say. Yeah, man. Of course, you know me. Um, <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> no, I'll try to not do that again. But <laughs> It's cool. It's all practice. It's good. You're doing great. Um, Okja. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that. It's a good movie. I think it really uh, touches on what I was saying about how we get a very special bond with the animals that we do um, we do come in contact with. 
and that says a lot about our um, our our innate compassion and and, and love for animals. Uh, we, there's something called biophilia, which uh, is obviously a term coined by a human um, about our own love for nature. It's something ingrained for us, ingrained inside of us uh, about our own. It's bio as in life, philia, which is basically uh, obsession with or, or love of. And, um, and it's not like necrophilia, that kind of create, like that kind of love of, but it's like uh, a, a deep appreciation of, you know. So we have this biophilia um, that connects us with life, makes us feel this. It's why we see flowers are beautiful. It's why we see animals are cute. Um, and nature scenes as, as breathtaking. And um, Okja, I think, does a really good job of, of really showing that we have this beautiful love of animals. And um, so another, I'd really like to point out another documentary that just came out on, Nof uh, another film that just came out on Netflix. Uh, it's a documentary called What the Health. Um, I think it is one of the most uh, influential documentaries on the entire planet. Um, whether or not um, veganism is something you're interested in, uh, or uh, it's it, it's really it's educational as to why uh, as to how we've been uh, manipulated and, and brainwashed, and, and where the propaganda is coming from, and what is actually healthy from us. Because no matter uh, what path we're on, I think we all care about living a, a long life and living a happy, healthy life where we feel good and, and are, are able to um, use our bodies to their, their peak potential. And, and, you know, and this, this documentary is extremely eye-opening and, and can help us learn a lot about um, what is good for us um, after years and years of propaganda telling us what is good for us when really it's, it's the opposite. And I think this, this is, it's related to animals because uh, we find out that cholesterol and saturated fat um, in, any, in any level is really, uh, really unhealthy. And those are, of course, all animal products. Um, so there was something I wanted to mention about what you were saying. I don't remember what it was. But I, I really appreciate it. I'm sorry I got a little... Um, crazy there, but it's all it's all passion. It's all it's all love. It's all coming from the right place. I hope you guys can see that because I think uh, there are too many vegans out there that are, are very harsh and very um, uncompassionate towards humans. There's a lot of misanthropy, um, a hatred towards humans coming from the vegan movement, and it's only hurting it. Um, and a lot of egotism and a lot of uh, really negative stuff coming from the vegan movement. And I'd like to do my best to um, be, uh, I guess, an ambassador of, of another, another way of looking at this issue. Um, and I think in the same way that, that Brandon is, is trying to do, it's, uh, it's all love, the light, it's all uh, ending suffering. Um, and I think that's a Buddhist belief. If, if I believe uh, on religion, almost to a whole, probably that about Buddhism, um, that life is about ending suffering or reducing suffering to the most. And, and uh, this is 
a great way to end our own suffering through uh, treating our bodies correctly, giving ourselves nourishment and love and, and uh, treating the, the planet respectively and living an ecological lifestyle and treating the animals respectively as our brothers and equals. Um, so human, human power and mm-hmm. animal power. Awesome, man. Awesome. Sweet. All right. Thank you again, Rainy. And um, yeah, absolutely. Again, you know, just kind of like stepping back here and and reminding us, uh, you know, the the reason why we do these broadcasts is because, you know, people who are tuned into this broadcast, you know, as shifters, as people who are intentionally helping shift consciousness, allow these broadcasts to be collective inspiration for you to reflect on the ways that you want to help change the world. And one of the ways you can help change the world is just by being passion and passionate and compassionate um about you know like these types of topics these these ideas of just like either becoming and changing your diet becoming vegan or just like spreading the awareness of of just like allowing people to think outside the box about how we think about animals and everything um i just wanted to read a comment from ann and then we'll uh, keep passing talk and stick around ann was just saying in the comments uh on youtube uh she was just saying uh for everyone should check out a person by the name of james aspie uh, who is someone that perhaps Rainy may already know, but she says uh, he's a super peach of a human, the kindest, modest, patient vegan you'll find, but his passion is undeniable. He also talks a lot about meditation is very inspiring. So uh, I'm not sure if I've heard his videos or anything before, but I'll check them out. James Aspie, A-S-P-E-Y. Feel free to check that out if you guys got a chance. So um, yeah, uh, a couple of things I was just going to mention, you know, within this broadcast, we'll keep things going. We may go till 1 a.m. since we started a little bit late. So that would be like three hours total for this broadcast. And we're just putting in as much as we can into this one broadcast. And it's all this practice, <clears throat> no rush there or anything. Um, one thing I wanted to get into a little bit later is, again, talking about the different ways as to how animals perceive this reality and how that can sort of open us up to altered states of consciousness or just how consciousness uh, naturally interacts within this reality to begin with, such as literally you know do other animals see things differently you know we can talk to talk about them seeing energies differently seeing like electromagnetic waves and gravitational waves uh differently and um yeah that's just like one topic i want to talk about i want to talk about like dolphins and stuff too i want to talk more about wolves uh i know i just want to just be able to hear some of the things that you guys have to share uh you know what sort of animals are out there that have literally blown your mind because i feel like from watching the planet earth documentaries it's amazing you look at these animals and you're just like wow like that is so beautiful just their their way of living their their way of existing uh for example um the uh the birds that crap why do i forget what sterlings the sterlings um i'm sure other birds do it too but commonly the sterlings are the ones that you see that fly in this huge like cloud and swarm and you see them and they're like this like one symbiotic organism so again you know it's kind of like this thing is that we acknowledge ourselves as individual organisms but we have to remember that together we are a collective organism together we are a collective body uh you know so again humans are that way as well as animals are that way they have a community so again when you see the sterlings flying in the sky yeah they're riding the winds but what else is happening there? You know, what else is actually happening there on like an electromagnetic frequency between like their like between them, like staying in contact with each other. But is there literally like a hive mind that is allowing them to sort of function as this giant organism, which to us as humans appears as this beautiful symbol for us to visually see where it's like literally, you know, a million little birds looking like one giant organism just 
flowing through the sky. So um, look at videos of Sterlings if you guys just want to meditate on those and trip some balls. So um, let's keep passing the talk and stick around and uh, just want to be able to open up a conversation. We haven't heard from a cat and jam recently, so I just want to be able to uh, allow either of them to jump back into the conversation. So I'm just going to pull up your microphone just a little bit. So if one of you guys wants to go next, just feel free to say anything at this point and we'll pass the talking stick to you. So was that cat? Cat, yeah, did you want yeah. to? I'm going to jump in there because uh, Jam wants to. Okay. All right. Okay. So we'll let Jam jump in and then if Cat wants to jump in after. Jam, go ahead. If you got to head out. So. Cool. Cool. Um, well, I'm actually, I'm going to check out all of those documentaries and I saw Okja on Netflix. I didn't get a chance to watch it yet. I just saw it come up and it looked really interesting. Uh, so I'm going to check those out when I get a chance. Um, but one thing I was that I keep thinking about that I want to talk about, um, I have, a, I have an affinity with cats. That's, that's kind of, that's my spirit animal. That's my, my connection. I have three cats. Uh, I used to have more, but a couple of them passed away recently, but, um, about communicating with them, um, how they kind of commit. And I think, um, uh, Brian was, was touching on this about like body language and, uh, uh, kind of stuff like that. <clears throat> and, uh, I don't remember where I saw it at, but um, it's like the cat whisperer or some stupid shit like that. But uh, <laughs> he was like, uh, you know, they, they communicate with like facial expression. Like they, if they turn their butt towards you, it means they trust you, you know, and that's how they kind of communicate with each other. It's like, okay, you're, you're a cool cat. I can, I can kind of turn my back to you and that's a sign of trust. And um, since I watched that, like I've been practicing like, communicating with my cats and even like other cats in my old apartment because there was a lot of strays around and I would just bring out a bowl of food for them and they would always run away and then they'd see the food and they'd come up and I'd kind of do the um I don't know if you can see but kind of the uh the slow blink and then kind of half eyes closed and that's the um that's like their their symbol for I love you and so I started doing that with my cats and they would do it back and um uh, and even these stray cats that didn't trust people at all. But I mean, of course, if you put food out, they're going to kind of come up. But, uh, you know, they kind of sit down a few feet away. And like I would do, I would just kind of stare at them. And like something about cats, like when you stare at their eyes, like you get really hypnotized and you just, you just, you just stare. And, um, and I started doing the whole like kind of blinky, slow blink you know, saying, I love you, kind of sending thoughts about, you know, I love you. I, I you know, I'm not going to do anything to hurt you. Um, I'm a cat ally. Like, <laughs> and, um, and their, their demeanor around you changes a whole lot. And um, I don't know, that's just something I kind of wanted to throw out there um, about communicating um, with cats, can, um, animals in general, I guess. But um, yeah. <laughs> Word, word, man. Uh, looks like Rainy's got a response to that, and 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 yeah, Jam. I love, I love the uh, the slow, the demonstration of the slow-eyed link. Like, I feel like a lot of people don't even know that, but but I recently remember hearing that how like that's actually yeah recognized. Like, if you ever like, I don't. Is it just cats, or does it work with other animals? Like this slow-eyed link thing. Is it? I think it's a cat thing, but I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. I mean, you try it with other animals. I don't have any other animals around here to try it with, other than some squirrels and some bunny rabbits that yeah. are kind of around area but yeah 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 yeah. slow eye blink it's interesting that animals recognize that and stuff um and and they do it yeah my cats do it back every time like really i mean if they're not like in some other kind of like mode like 
running around chasing something or going out to hunt or whatever yeah. they do. But if they're just kind of relaxed and I'm there, like I'll start doing the slow blinky eyes and they do it back and it's, it's cool. <laughs> cool, man. Cool. Dude, thank you for sharing. And, and Jim, uh, you know, for myself and I'm sure everyone else in the community, condolences for uh, recent loss and transition for walking your cats across the rainbow bridge and everything like that. Um, yeah. I mean, again, you know, that's, that's something I was opening up talking to. Cause I mean, I know, I know you guys have, have heard me talking about it and like, that's the thing, like, geez guys like every every like few weeks on facebook or less you always hear someone about talking about like having to put their animal down but again you know like that's a huge lesson that they teach us uh even just about like resilience and courage and continuing to uh allow them to live on through the love that we share and, and i'll just say this real quick and i'll pass it to rainy um when i when when my dog shelby passed away last year one thing that we did and, and i'll just mention without getting too much into the details one thing that we did and i just want to share this because maybe this will be something that other people can keep in mind uh after shelby passed away who's my german shepherd he's like you know my wolf buddy and everything um after he passed away what we did is we we bought a wind chime and, and this wind chime is actually like it's it's like promoted as a wind chime to be like in memory of um, whatever, be it animal or human. But we got this wind chime so that now we have the wind chime hanging outside in our backyard. And through this, we opened up this idea that whenever the wind chime chimes, it's actually like Shelby like saying hello. So it's kind of interesting because it kind of creates like this vehicle for sort of like that spiritual communication to still occur. And so a lot of people would be like, oh, that's stupid you know, but, but for me, it's just like, no, it still means something. And then even sometimes when I walk out in the backyard, I'll just like hit the, the wind chime and I will just, that'll just be kind of like my way of saying hello. And then like, so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's still maintaining this, this ongoing relationship with them. And even the idea that, you know, you can have dreams with animals who have passed on, like that happened after Shelby passed away. I had dreams with him in it. I haven't had one recently, but it has happened. And another thing that I did is that Every time that I go on my walk with my other dog, there's one particular tree that was always a tree that Shelby usually peed on. And now I kind of refer to it as the Shelby tree. And then when I go for a walk, I'll actually go and I'll like take a couple moments to literally hug this tree. And when I'm hugging that tree, I'm just kind of like saying hello to Shelby without being like too emotional about it. I'm just kind of like very just like nonchalant, casual, and just kind of like it's still recognizing and expressing my love uh, for this, you know, this partner, not someone that I saw as like a pet or a, a less than being, but an equal being who taught me so much and who I'm equally grateful for. Um, so again, yeah, the wind chime idea and maybe like having a tree that is like a, a symbol of your animal and then hugging the tree every now and then. So those are just some ideas that I, I, I've, I've found and I just want to put those out there because I feel anybody could adapt that as well. So, um, but yeah, Jim, thank you. Thank you again, man. We love you, dude. Awesome. All right. Okay. Um, I wanted to pass it over to Kat and Kat jumped out and now she's back in. So uh, Kat, uh, with what we were talking about or anything else that we were talking, or actually Rainy, you, you had your hand up a moment ago. Rainy, I know you, I'm just going to pass it to Rainy real quick and then we'll pass it to Kat because since you did have your hand up for that, Rainy, go ahead. And I've taken, I've taken weights plenty of time. Let, let her have a chance. I was just going to say that okay. I had a recent uh, uh, interaction with a cat that was really interesting that was based on energy and I was just going to basically say that I think animals, um, they can read our energy perfectly and, uh, and not just animals, but there's actually, um, there's research done about plants being able to do that. And I think, I think this is something that is, it's just ingrained. There might not be a place in our brain that does this function. I think it's just something ingrained in, in, in life and consciousness in itself that 
we understand we all we all work off the same emotions we all feel the same feelings and we all understand uh the same vibes because everything is of course vibration and and we all under we all read vibration so i think that's vibes is of course i think the the most important or or the universal language and yeah like like cat talk now word word and uh yeah i like that yeah like vibes vibes is kind of the universal language if we refer to it that way just vibes you know um and, and i'll just say this and, and pass it to cat real quick uh pam left a comment in in the on the facebook live chat um, and it's a video that I've seen before and it was actually like a video uh, from what if I can remember but it was about like and maybe you guys have seen this but it was like a panther that was like depressed I think it was a panther and then there was like this woman who came and established like a psychic connection with them and, and this is the thing you know you, you hear about people who have kind of like these intuitive natural psychic connections with animals uh, you know like even like horse whispers which is a thing in itself horse whispering is a little bit different because that's about like being able to read the subtle body language and energetic language of a horse but it's not always something that needs to be thought of as like too uh like supernatural but um in this case this woman like actually had this like communication with this panther i believed and it was a panther talking about how uh it didn't like the name that it had so they like found a new name for it i think um yeah it was something along those lines diablo yeah cat actually knows what i'm talking about so yeah it was like a a woman who like knew that the cat didn't like its name so then they communicated to it and then she said that like oh this is what's wrong with the cat and then they sort of change it and then the cat became happier. I think something along those lines. But again, it was just kind of interesting because I feel that there are people, not just in this timeline, but maybe in the past where people had these intimate connections with uh, animals. Because I mean, even just going way outside the box here for a second, uh, you know, you listen to like stories of like shamans in Peru who would go through like meditative states and sacred journeys where they would actually communicate with the intelligences of plants and learn from the plants. Who's to say we can't do the exact same thing with animals? So, um, yeah, again, I feel back in the day, we probably were very intimately, naturally connected with the animals in our environments. And today, um, we still are just in different ways. And animals have been teaching us about our own consciousness since since the dawn of everything. So, um, passing it over, speaking of cats, passing it over to Cat. So, Cat, I'm just going to pull your microphone up and, and jump right back in the conversation with anything else that you have to add. Go ahead, Cat. Yeah. Meow. I think I'm freezing. Um, sec, you guys are kind of. We can hear. We can hear you. Okay, on our end. So if if you're if you want to keep going, go ahead. Perfect. Cool. Uh, yeah. Oh my god, I totally forgot about that story about that black panther. But um, yeah, that was such a fascinating thing to like to watch that video and see that that like animal whisperer talking to um to the panther because he was named like Diablo, which is like I believe the devil. And he didn't want to be associated with that. And that had like a lot of karmic things tied to it. And then once the name changed, I think he like may have suggested a name to the, the whisperer. Um, like the, the panther's behavior and uh, temperament completely changed. It was like a different different being. So yeah, I don't really know what I want to say. I'm kind of just really enjoying uh, hearing out what people are talking about. Um, I really... Uh, enjoyed hearing what Jan had to say about his cats. Um, definitely identify and resonate with like kind of experiencing um, the loss of an animal such as a cat. Uh, I went through that actually probably, I think it was around this time two years ago. It was around 20, 
seventh and today's the 28th now. So, wow, <laughs> I didn't realize that till now. Um, and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed kind of hearing some insightful stuff from Rainy. Um, I, uh, yeah, I was observing my friend's dog this past weekend um, as we went on a camping trip. This was his first time ever adventuring and going on a camping trip. And um, it was kind of interesting to observe how he was behaving alongside of us. Uh, and uh, the fascinating thing I found was just watching him nap. Like I've definitely watched like a, a pet dog nap before or cats and, and stuff like that. But I um, kind of wanted to know a bit about, I just want to hear your experiences if anyone like has had a lot of like animal dreams or, or even dreams about their pets. Um, I've certainly had a lot of dreams that definitely uh, kind of grew in intensity when my cat passed away and I had to put them down. And once I went through the process of accepting it, then I was like not having as many dreams and it kind of only happens occasionally now. But yeah, I just want to see kind of what you guys feel about um, well, that sort of thing. Yeah, I don't really know. <laughs> word, word. Thank you, Kat. Um, just kind of o- opening up the conversation. Does, does, anybody, does anybody have anything that they want to reply with that? Jam? Okay, Jam, we'll pass it over to you real quick. Go ahead. I was just stretching, but um, oh. <laughs> okay. um, actually, no, I gotta, I'm going to go, though, because okay. uh, tomorrow, but I love you all. Um, I'll see you all in the next, the next one, all right? Awesome, awesome. All right, man, much love. Talk to you later. Peace out. Awesome. Um, yeah, okay, I, I, was, I was thinking of something parallel while, while you were talking about that cat, um, and, and I'll just say this, and maybe this will link back in. Um, one thing that I found with pets uh, is that like it, it's important to recognize that pets even you know that pets have emotion, and and sometimes I think we forget that. Uh, sometimes I, we forget how uh, important it is to actively give our attention to pets. You know, like pets can actually have their own uh, experiences of being depressed or being lonely or being sad. Um, this was something that I was able to acknowledge, like within uh, my dog Dallin. I, our golden retriever who recently went through a leg surgery. So like, obviously he was like stuck in a room for about two months, didn't really get out in the same way, had a cone on his head and stuff. And then like later on and stuff, as he was starting to get active again, you literally see this, this like, this energy come through him and this joy of him, like just being able to be outside and being able to like play around and being able to like play and be silly and stuff like that. Um, and, and this is kind of the main point that I want to make is that I feel in a lot of ways, animals are there for us to be able to practice sharing compassion, you know, like it's important for us to be able to like give to animals purely for the sake of giving you know like we're not necessarily giving to them so that they'll give back um it's it is like a natural part of the process and everything but it's important to be able to practice loving our animals in a selfless way um i I feel that's really important and that's where you know like going up and like giving your animals like massages and things like that we kind of forget about this we forget that this is actually something that is of value to a human and that's kind of like the lesson with animals is that like they don't ask us of anything and and, and in that in that absence of them asking it really creates this mirror for us to sort of see what are we going to give right so again you know if like what if what if like all the animals in the slaughterhouse were just like please don't kill me you know like what if they asked us that and then we'd just be like hmm okay like you know oh that makes it easy but since they literally can't ask that 
it leaves us in the full responsibility to, to be able to decide what are we going to do? You know, what are we going to do? Are we going to take like the higher road or are we going to take the lower road sort of thing? Uh, or, you know, less left or right, you know, it's not necessarily like a binary in that sense. Um, yeah. So I, I was just kind of thinking of that, just the idea of like how pets are there to be able to give us a mirror for us to practice compassion in a, in a very simple way. Um, I'm not exactly sure if that totally links back in with cat. Cause you were talking also about like the, the dreaming stuff of dogs and animals and stuff, but like, I'm just going to open up the talking circle and, and we'll just keep bouncing around. So either cat or if anybody else wanted to jump in, Brian, Brian, you want to jump in, I'll, I'll pass over to you. Go, go ahead, Brian. And thank, thank you, cat. It has to deal with what Kat was talking Brian, about. Brian, can, can you move closer to the microphone or something? Your microphone's... There, can you hear me better? It's quieter now than it was before. Hold on one second. Let me turn up the volume. Yeah, maybe on your end too. We'll just give it... Is it better now? It doesn't sound like it's too much louder, actually. But maybe it's okay. Go go, go ahead and just continue. I'm just going to check on the back end. Go, go ahead, though, Brian. Uh, this is something that I have to actually admit to. It's like not always the easiest thing, but I know you guys are trusting and I know this is public for everyone to see, but I'm actually labeled as a schizophrenic and uh, I have hallucinations and dreams, lucid dreams. And I had a dream, uh, a vivid fire cat in my dream and it woke me up like a nightmare, but it wasn't a nightmare. It was no fear. It, it's the first time it ever happened in my life. And within a month, we were talking about adopting a cat and I don't even know species or uh, breeds of cats. You know, like I know dog species or breeds like uh, German shepherd, Welsh corgis, bulldogs and all that. But I didn't know what a Coleco was. And that's what my dream was. I never even like, I don't know if Garfield's a Coleco, but you know what I'm saying? Like I had no introduction to it. And I have a uh, Kelly, the kitty from kitty city over here. We adopted her and it's, it's that kind of cat. It's what the person suggested that we owned. And I just, thought I'd share that with you guys. So that was almost like a premonition then, eh? It was, yeah. I've had um, a few times where I could kind of see the future a little bit, but it's not – I we don't talk about that tonight. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, we, we can definitely – I mean, it does relate and stuff, but, yeah, we'll definitely save more of that for, for another one. Yeah, no, it's totally cool. Um, Kat, did you want to reply with anything? I was just seeing your, your comments. I'm just going to pull up your mic if you want to reply or – Otherwise, we'll just keep bouncing around. Kat, did you want to jump in with anything? Um, let's try unmuting yourself. There you go. Okay, it should be good. Yeah, I think there was also another delay there. <laughs> that's okay. Um, yeah, I was just going to kind of, first of all, that's amazing. That's, that's such a cool dream. I'm kind of wondering if, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but did you, did you see, like, the cat as it was, as the cat that you adopted, or was it, like, a very, like... It was so weird because... Our cat is unordinarily uh, less saturated or vivid. And in my dream, it was overly vivid. It was like it was on fire. Like the, the orange and the red and the black was, you know, dark and everything. It was just like over the top saturated. And in real life, she's not as saturated. It's almost like a faded echo of it, you know. But like, I know it's her. I dreamt of her. It's just so weird. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll just say, just because it's off the top of my head, Kat, if you don't mind me just jumping in. Um, you know, again, it, it's interesting because I feel uh, when you get into the souls of animals, um, I feel that many animals specifically come here with the purpose to be alongside of us. You know, it's in a, in a lot of cases, like 
it's it's not a mistake that we end up with the pets that we have in in a lot of cases like there's actually you can think of it this way as much as you want there's actually like a soul contract that that is occurring there there's a soul like relationship and, and maybe it's something that actually goes beyond this lifetime maybe in the past life you were the cat or something like that right so it uh, just kind of opens up the idea um i just want to say real quick because i was going to think about this earlier and I just want to mention it uh, earlier when we were talking about how animals are like close to the primordial elements, like the water, earth, wind, air, and fire, you know, you got the ocean, you got like the ground, the animals that live under the ground, you got the animals in the air. And then I was like, wait, what are the fire ones again? Um, state the obvious. Cause this was in the comments and thank you for the reminder. The fire ones would be like the animals in the desert, you know, like the lizards, the iguanas, the ones that can survive in the heat and the, in the extreme temperatures and with minimal water. Um, those ones would probably i'd say represent like kind of like that fire element in, in, in a lot of ways um but yeah uh cat I'll, I'll pass over to you uh if you want us to jump in on non tyler share but i'll just pass over to you anyways so um cat did you hey. go ahead yeah yeah um yeah it was just also tying into what you just said earlier about like a, the lessons of loving an animal and being loved by an animal i feel as though like, until one has loved an animal, a part of one's soul remains unawakened. Like, I feel like it's a, it's an, it's not an experience that probably everyone in this world gets to have, but I feel like a lot of people get to experience, like, the experience of being loved by an animal and loving an animal. And I feel like if you don't get that chance or that opportunity, then, like, you're missing a huge part of this reality um, and kind of how to be compassionate and how to show love, stuff like that. That's all I really wanted to share. Totally, totally, absolutely. And, and again, you know, I think that's uh, like a very valuable thing um, for people to be able to experience. Uh, just again, you know, like that, that I, the, the compassion that animals show for us, you know, the, that that is like what the animals are, are they want to do, they want to just like sh give love and stuff like so when 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 my dog like isn't you know, being quiet or sleeping or, or even sad at times, when it's like in its element, it's in its mode where it just wants to like rub up against you and snuggle with you and be near you and stuff like they're very social creatures and, and we forget about that. And so again, you know, like that's where it kind of goes back to like the, the fam, the, uh, the animal farming and stuff like that, the factory farming. Um, we forget that, it, you know, things like chickens and pigs and cows are equally social animals. Uh, the only reason we don't think about them is that is again, because of like the narrative that's being projected and stuff. But given the opportunity, uh, you know, I know people who, who, who are like, they have an intimate relationship with a chicken in the same way you would as a dog. And, and once you get to know them, you get to understand that they're actually like personalities to them and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it's just, uh, it, again, just kind of like stating the obvious that, that every I mean, this, I guess this is a question, you know, does, does every animal have its own unique soul? Like is every animal uh, here for its own unique journey for its own unique evolution and things like that? Um, and, and, and I think it's just like a very beautiful thing, uh, even just to like, think of like, you know, the, the concept of like a mother with its animal out in nature and, and just kind of the bond that is between that mother, you know, like, is it literally just like, chemicals firing in the brain and it's just doing it by action and just reaction and it's programmed that way or is there that actual additional element of love that is totally present and that 
animal, you know, the example of a deer and a fawn, that animal is fully capable of loving in the same way that we do. And again, in that sense, like love is kind of like this like mysterious element that continues to move things forward equally as much within within the uh you know the the, the nature of animals and in our and our nature with them and stuff like that so um again you know it's 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 a huge mirror it's a huge mirror uh like where are we giving our love to in, in this world and where are we not giving our love to uh, as well so um yeah uh just kind of taking a moment here to uh read some of the comments uh Anne is saying um uh, why are animals so therapeutic, so therapeutic to us? It's so obvious. It's pointing us to something, reminding us of something, a different mentality and heart space living. So absolutely. Um, mm, 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 uh, Mike is saying most species have their own languages when dealing with other species and learning it is very important. Uh, that's interesting. The idea of like animals even being able to communicate with other animals outside their species. Like, is that actually not something that they can do? Um, so yeah, uh, maybe just kind of like segueing into the idea of like animal communication. Cause I feel like that is a huge, huge topic in itself. And it's just like, kind of like worth looking into and stuff. Um, again, you know, some of the examples of animal communication, like obviously you have like the vocal noises and stuff like that, but there's also like the subtle body gestures, which happen. And there's, there's also like the idea that some animals can actually like change certain colors on their bodies or change patterns on their bodies, which display additional forms of communication. Um, and with the, uh, with the dolphin thing, I'll just say this real quick and we can, you know, if anybody wants to talk about dolphins, cause obviously they're an example of a very intelligent and empathic creature in their own way. Uh, probably cause they're from space, um, space dolphins. But, uh, yeah. Um, da, 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 what, what I was going to say is that with dolphins, what's very interesting. So imagine maybe you guys have seen an image of this on the internet. This is where I kind of first like clicked into it and stuff. Okay, so imagine like a, a, a dolphin making a sonar wave underwater. Um, that sonar wave, as much as it is a sound, it is also a unique cymatic pattern. So again, cymatics is the idea of like the study of vibration created out of sound frequencies. So what's actually happening is that like for a dolphin, you know, it, it's projecting not just a sound, but it's actually projecting uh, almost like a, like a very holographic pattern that other animals and other dolphins can receive as well. I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm giving them more credit. Maybe, maybe it's not that complex, but I mean, honestly, I think it's probably something along those lines, if not even more complex and additionally, like other degrees of psychic stuff. Um, I mean, you know, like the psychic abilities travel better underwater. I don't know. That's just another question in itself, but uh, shifting paradigms here. Um, <laughs> go meditate underwater with a friend and try being psychic with each other. We'll see. Um, but yeah, like the idea of, uh, yeah, you know, just uh, looking at how we may be underestimating the nature of animals from our outside projective perception, they may appear very simple, but as you get closer and closer and understand them more and more, you realize that there's these intricate layers uh, and, and complexities and, and intelligence to the way that they uh, experience and, and express themselves as well. And then there's like the whole other concept of do animals experience time differently? Um, and even just the idea of animals being very present in the moment, it's also another thing, you know, because uh, we talk about the, uh, some people talk about the idea of how, you know, animals don't actually have an understanding of death. So they live in the present, but it's like, I don't know, maybe they do. Maybe, maybe I think, I think I, I don't feel like that's a blanket statement. I feel as if some animals probably 
in some higher knowledge way, probably do have a profound understanding of the idea of like life and death um, in, in some ways, in some ways. Um, but at the same time, maybe some of them intentionally don't so that they can have that ability to be fully present uh, in, in some ways. Um, yeah. So anyways, just kind of open, opening up, going back to the idea of like animal communication or just like uh, other fascinating animal abilities that we have observed, be it through like, you know, YouTube videos or documentaries or first, first person experiences. Um, Brian, did you want to, did you want to say something? I, I think I saw a comment pop up from you, Brian, go, go ahead. Um, I was wondering if the, there's a Rosetta stone with, uh, animals, like, the Rosetta Stone, in case you don't know, there's a whole there's the whole Rosetta Stone for computer programming, which is named after the actual Rosetta Stone, which was a discovery of a I think it was, I forget I think it was some forgotten language, and it, on it there was transcribed uh, current language, I think Greek or Latin, and then another language, and we were able to use the Rosetta Stone to translate and then transcribe and then figure out what the lost language was. Is there a Rosetta Stone with animals? I can go on for a minute about um, like telepathy in a sense. Like I think we're on the cusp of telepathy right now. Like right now we're able to communicate with, you know, talk, you're in downtown New York, you're in Canada. We're all somewhere. I'm in Michigan. And um, I think that once we're able to upload uh, microscopic robots into our mind, you know, like we'll be able to connect the internet. And I think that they're going to be like bacteria, these, these uh, nanobots is what they're referred to as. They don't exist yet. They're only micrometer level right now. But when they do exist, uh, they'll have the ability to hybridize our minds to not only have Google at our fingertips, which they were with a keyboard in the classroom, which then became a keyboard in your household, and then it became a keyboard on your laptop right here, or as a keyboard on your smartphone, is becoming Google Glasses and then into your mind. And we can talk about AI, we can talk about all kinds of things, but um, with understanding Google as your short-term memory, it extends the RAM, the random access memory of like what's in a computer, can actually happen in your mind. So my think my thoughts are this is the step to transcendence to the next dimension where we have cameras we have i think it was 60 hours uploaded every minute on youtube um back in 2013 and now it's over 200 that was 2015 when it was over 200 to my it, you know you look up the statistic you get the idea but what i'm getting at is i call it the octopus theory where we're going to be able to say i'm a farmer and I can say, well, you know what? I want to grow my garden this way. I know what I'm doing. So clone eight of me today, and we'll all work together at the same time, like an octopus or each tentacle. And they, they question if tentacles of octopus have their own uh, brains. And also, um, do you tether your mind to, create, to control all yourself at once, like Dr. Manhattan and Watchmen? Or do you separate yourself and then merge minds at the end of the day? And that's the next step in evolution is what I'm getting at. We won't, it's going to be a genderless society. We're going to be balls of light and we won't, animals will be able to be hybridized as well, where they'll be able to speak more intelligently, you know, where they're, uh, they're able to actually communicate for the first time with words. If we're able to implement words for them to understand, but what is abuse in sense of, uh, how much an animal should understand my, my theory is, or my, my moral is that if, if it's consensual, 
not even sexually, but also with minds, then we should be able to hybridize. It's the new form. Uh, like, I talk to my fiance all the time and I say, you know, one day we're going to be one together and we'll be just one mind and we'll clone ourselves and we'll be our separate minds at the same time. But it's thing where we're leading to and we can study animals you know, to learn our behavioral characteristics, not to take advantage of them, like what I was talking about advertising earlier, but to understand there's so much that nature has thrown at animals and plants to survive this long at their current state. We can look at what's been extinct, what was recently been extinct, and what survives till today. And um, I, that's another thing. Uh, I wanted to talk to them about them as being an animal, artificial intelligence. And recently, since about 2011, 2012, depending on who you hear it from, uh, quantum computing has begun. And that's, to my understanding, quantum computing is not only one and zero, which is what it could understand in the past, is either one or zero, but now it understands one and zero. And with that aspect, it means it understands yes and no at the same time. And then it can anticipate its future. And that, um, I've heard, I'm not supposed to talk about this. I mean, I'm, I'm, I can talk about it, but I can't tell you who said it to me. But I heard about it at a convention that um, the IBM Watson in 2011 or 12 became self-aware. Scientists sh shut it off, and they had to study it for days, what it was thinking. But when it became self-aware, the, the sentient AI of the machine asked for more power, okay? It asked to spread to not be stuck in its little Wikipedia box, you know, where it's fed only certain data. And finally, it was, it. Um, what was the last thing it asked for? Whatever, that, that's that. Um, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. I, I got other stuff I can talk about, but that's what I was talking about with, uh, with AI. So I, got, I covered all my main points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, again, uh, Brian, I, th I, think, I think those points are kind of like as, as like, unexpected as they as they may sound to this conversation i think are extremely relevant because again you know we're, we're not just looking at we're looking at consciousness as a whole and we're looking at how consciousness appears and, and yeah and we're seeing consciousness within different animal social structures but again we're starting to see consciousness appear through like the patterns that we are creating in the social structures that we are creating through the technology through the technology of, 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 of like, you know, it's through the ecosystem of uh, artificial intelligence and everything like that. I mean, I'm just trying to explain it using the words that I got and stuff. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, again, I think it's, I think it's fascinating and everything. And, and, and um, you know, I'm just kind of thinking uh, visually right now of like how like ant colonies function and how like beehives function and everything like that. Like there's so many small little moving parts. Um, but again, you know, like as a collective, it's like one organism working towards like a single objective and everything like that. And again, that's where as humans, it's important to remember that, yeah, like we're individuals and everything like that, but we're also this very much this shared organism. So it's like, how can we synergize? How can we function uh how can we function together better more more effectively and everything but but yeah i feel uh studying animal consciousness with ai consciousness does get into some interesting territory so um yeah brian go go ahead yeah um here's here's another aspect of looking at a lot uh like we have a 12-hour day a 12-hour day a 12-hour night relatively speaking depending where you are penguins have a different uh you know permanent amount of light permanent amount of darkness but what I wonder is about simulations. Are we going to create simulations of universes in the future 
as a, not only a source of entertainment, but also a so, which is, is that ethical? Or is it a source of studying? And is that what we are? Is that what life is as we know it? Because I see our, ourselves, any animal or any plant, as existing at this current state from its predecessors. It's built up that much. It's a fight against entropy, which is the universe. The universe and multiverse is always constantly falling apart and then merging back together. It's breathing. And that's another theory, too. That's another theory. Oh, my gosh. There is a – through the wormhole, I watched with Morgan Freeman, and he talks about um, whales, hummingbirds, and bees. And they, we all have different heart rates. We all understand what exists at, at our rate. So what if there are alien creatures that have, let's say, they live on a moon instead of a planet where they have less gravity, so they're taller, like an avatar, and uh, – and their and their and their alien species, they uh, they have uh, six hour days. Are they quicker because of that, or are they slower like sloths? You know, like there's probably a reasoning behind that. It, you could probably compare it to animals that we have here, and then be able to figure that out. Like sloths, they probably seem. See, what what would it be to see the life going by slowly? Life would be going by very fast. So, I don't know. That's it's very interesting to think about, but. Um, uh, Shoot, I'm losing it, man. I had about simulations. I wanted to talk about simulations, and I'm oh, okay. So Go for this it. is I wanted to talk about the whole life or the whole world being alive. Um, if you look at the world before before our life existed, all the air that we breathe right now wasn't air that we as we know it. It wasn't nitrogen, which is 80% of the air, and then oxygen and carbon dioxide. It was all methane and and which is fart gas, which is what we're fighting against now, and ammonia gas. And then through life, after millions of years, you know, uh, we finally are breathing the air we're breathing now. And it's and, and look at us, the monsters that we are, that we're changing the temperature of the planet and through carbon dioxide being so quickly. You know, it, it would have been okay if we were all able to evolve slowly, but no, the polar bears are dying, everyone's dying, you know, and um, not to be so negative, but what I wanted to get to with the planet being alive, blue whales palpitate their heart once every minute or once every 30 seconds, okay? You know, because they're huge. You look at a hummingbird, it beats its heart, I think it's 200 times or maybe, it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot of several hundred times per minute. You look at a human, it's 60 to 90 times per minute. If you were to look at, anatomically speaking, a city as being alive, and I got this through from through the wormhole, uh, then you would see it palpitate its heart twice a day and it already does that with traffic we're making our memes are making the earth alive and we're you're seeing more progress you know as the satellites are going around that's one thing you can also see the lights lighting up further as the decades go on around the planet because light is becoming more efficient and cheaper it's also creating light pollution which is unfortunate and disconnecting us from the stars but uh but what I was getting at was the, the world is very much alive right now and we're making it alive and power lines. You look at your telephone lines. Those are both cardiovascular where it's uh, where it's like um, the energy that you're getting from your electricity. And they're also neurological where it's the internet, us communicating right now, wirelessly and also through wires. And it's just, I, I don't know how to like, explain 
anything. You know, like how, how are we able to do this? You know, we can, we can blah, 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 blah. Talk shortly, but, uh, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, let's open the mic up. I don't know. <laughs> cool, man. Cool. I appreciate it. Sweet, man. Yeah, no, I, again, I think, I think again, it's really interesting because it's just like starting to, kind of help see us as this very intimately and intricately connected part of this bigger ecosystem. Uh, again, you know, which the animals are equally a part of. So again, there's like, there's like ecosystems within ecosystems within ecosystems, worlds within worlds within worlds. And, and we see that within the animals uh, as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of wanted to talk about a, a couple more things. We're going to get close to wrapping this up within the next half hour. So this is the last half hour of the show right now. So let's get a few more ideas in. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, how wolves dream actually <clears throat> was one thing that I wanted to talk about. But before we do that, I'll just kind of check in. Um, between uh, Rainy and Ashley and uh, Brian and myself, we're, we're the ones left in the chat. If anybody else did want to join the Hangout, you guys are more than welcome to. Uh, again, just go to live.paradigmshiftcentral.com and follow the link to join the Hangout. Um, but yeah, uh, Rainy, just checking in with you. Uh, any other maybe like points or questions that you might want to share or propose or any topics that you want to bring into this discussion? And let me just uh, let me just pull your mic up real quick. Go ahead. I think I muted myself. Um, see, man, um, what is of utmost importance in our lives? Um, I think that's our connection, our our spiritual connection, um, our connection with ourselves, our connection with others, our connection with nature. Um, I'm, I'm really grateful you had this this talk because it helps me do a lot of all three of those things, honestly. Um, help me focus on my connection with animals, which I, I do on a daily basis. Help me connect more my, uh, with my, my, with, with, uh, my, my community. Um, the shifty community. I, I'm I'm often with the vegans, and uh, I'm not very great at speaking with um, people who don't understand um, where I'm coming from. And I think uh, James Aspie, that that person that somebody mentioned in the comments earlier, is is absolutely amazing at doing that. Um, he follows something called the Socratic method, um, which is a Socrates based method of, of communicating and arguing with people. Um, and it's kind of linked with the movie Inception where instead of trying to instill this idea in somebody's mind, you simply try to, you, you, you encourage them to, to think of it themselves. You know, you encourage them to have this idea themselves. And uh, with my line of, of passion, it's, it's very interesting because basically all you have to do is remind people who they already are. Um, and that, that's a very, that can be a very wide uh, stance of like a spiritual way of reminding people who they already are, that they are love, you know, they are, they are uh, an infinite eternal being on this planet or, uh, you know, they are a, a spiritual being having a human experience but also to remind them that they are love they are compassion they they are they love 
all beings and they love all animals and they love, they just, you know, <laughs> this, is, this is extremely vague, but um, so the Socratic method is basically you just, you just ask people questions instead of trying to like drill something into their mind, like this, this debate fight thing where one person is right and the other person is wrong. You just simply ask people questions about, um, about you know, instead of saying you know animal animal abuse is wrong, you say, do you do you do you believe animal abuse is wrong, or do you believe um, animals feel pain, or do you believe that animals are conscious beings? Um, do you believe they love their family members? Do you believe they they enjoy? nestling up against their mothers or their brothers or playing in the fields with their their friends and obviously as you guys might be understanding right now this paints a picture rather than saying you know what stop fucking eating animals you're a fucking terrible person as most vegan people vegans do you know all you you you're basically playing a game of an inception and not that it's manipulative because it's something that we have within ourselves and I think manipulation is something you're coercing somebody to some you're coercing somebody to do something that they don't already believe in. Whereas the Socratic method is just trying to remind themselves, remind others about something they already feel within themselves, which is compassion and love and caring and and you know. Um, so that's what James Aspie is all about. Um, I think somebody mentioned him in the comments earlier um and i highly recommend checking out what he does there's a, a whole movement going on um right now of, based around the socratic method and based around uh, anonymous called anonymous for the voiceless um and it's all about taking care of of animals through the socratic method and through truth um, it's called the cube of truth basically people stand in a cube pattern facing outwards and they're, they're holding screens or signs that say truth and they have guy fox masks on you know the, the mask from v for vendetta and uh they're showing on the screens they're showing what the truth that what's happening to these animals through the meat and dairy industry the fur and industry the leather industry fishing um and you know it's really hard to see numbers like here like you know a, a billion animals die every single day totally unnecessarily um it's hard to really grasp that what that means to to really understand that that amount of suffering because there's some statistic that says that the human brain can only really understand a certain amount of numbers um especially people who aren't like autistic savants who, who are amazing computing numbers but the average human brain cannot fathom what it means to for billions of animals to suffer and die every day so this this just getting a relationship with one animal seeing a, a five second clip of what one animal experienced for five seconds in their life is enough to absolutely change people's lives and most people just won't see it you know because slaughterhouses don't have glass walls. So it's up to people who want to give a voice to the voiceless to really um, 
tell the truth because ultimately that is the truth whether we like to believe it or not uh there's an immense amount of suffering going on on this planet and purely for profit um for the people in power um and not only profiting off of dead animals uh, dead bodies but profiting off of sickness because when we eat hot dogs and when we eat red meat and when we eat honestly fish and chicken and anything that has cholesterol and saturated fat we suffer we get congenital heart issues we get uh, arthrosclerosis you know and what do we do when we when we get these diseases we go to the doctor and we we get on medication and so they're they're making money off of us at every fucking step and this is a huge profit industry it's uh one of the most profitable industries on the planet and it's it's really a really really dark thing that's happening um so i'm i'm sorry to turn like this conversation from the beauty of nature and animals to such a dark dark thing but this this is what we're doing to the beauty and nature of animals we're turning it into uh hell absolute hell on earth um and not just for for the innocent animals but for ourselves because if you've ever seen a hospital, man, it's, it's just full of sick and dying people. And it's largely absolutely unnecessary. And it's largely absolutely the fault of our own indoctrination and, and propaganda from the meat and dairy industry. And it's really sad and sick and sadistic and fucked up. Absolutely fucked up. And uh, I appreciate mm-hmm. you for, for giving me this platform. Um, this is honestly the first time I've really opened up in such a way and have been able to communicate um, in such a way. I think it, it has something to do with the fact that for the first time in my life today, I was screaming at the top of my lungs. There's no excuse for animal abuse, animal abusers, like at this this pet shop that was abusing dogs and, and puppies and kittens, actually mostly puppies. And I think that really, uh, I don't know if I believe this, but it really opened up my heart chakra, I mean, my voice, my you know, to, to be able to speak about this because I remember the first time I was on the show at school, Brandon, I was terrible. I was like a timid little puppy. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much. Gratitude to all of you for, for being here and for allowing, for giving me this platform, Brandon, and for listening. And um, much, much gratitude, love, and appreciation. Awesome. Awesome. Yes, man, dude, thank you so much, man. And, and yeah, no, I think that, I think you communicated that uh, very clearly. And um, again, you know, just, just kind of adding on to that and we'll just bounce around a little bit and move into the closing parts of the show soon enough. Um, it's, it's crazy. Cause like I have, I am, I have no qualms about looking at the dark side of, of this topic. That's part of the topic, obviously. But again, you know, kind of like, like that is what this whole experience with animals are animals again are a mirror for us to see ourselves through and how we treat animals says a lot about ourselves you know and i think that's the obvious thing is that as we become conscious we become conscious of how incredibly messed up things are especially with things of like the uh, the ocean as another example so family you know factory farming and everything is one thing and then you look at what we're doing to the ocean a lot of people like we're just like 
they would just like see it and just be like, what the hell are we doing? Like, this is so stupid. This is so absurd. This is so ridiculous. We're destroying ourselves. And unfortunately, that's usually how humans have to learn is that we have to often take things to extremes until we can kind of be like, oh my God, like, okay, yeah, now we need to change it. You know, like usually we're just like slowly pushing things to the extreme and we're just like sitting there. We're just like, this isn't too bad. This isn't too bad. Okay. Yeah. And then it eventually just kind of becomes more and more obvious that it's just like, oh God, like what have we done? Right. So like when we see, you know, when you walk into a slaughterhouse and you see the suffering and stuff like that, you're not just seeing it as like, as just like, oh my God, these animals are suffering but it's also, oh my God, what have we done? You know, like they trusted us and this is how we treated them, right? So it's like this this um, kind of, uh, what was it? Uh, Anne was saying, if I can scroll up here um, somewhere in the chats, uh, she was saying, and this is kind of referring to what Jay Maspie would say. He says, uh, we are all already animal lovers. Veganism is nothing different than just aligning your behavior with your values and morals you already agree with so again you know like i think i think every person in spite of how maybe they've been brought up is someone who genuinely cares about other beings and everything so um yeah it's just like helping us remind each other of that um but yeah no absolutely man and 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 i feel like these conversations are are the important ones and and i think the cube of truth uh is a very effective method because i know one of the ways how animals are working alongside of us is by allowing us to share the story of what they have been going through with the intention of helping change things. Like, again, when you look at things from a higher perspective level, it's important to actually value uh, the sacrifice that animals are making as a soul, so to speak, you know, I like literally and and take some people will just hear this and and maybe like outside of this conversation be like okay that's just kind of stupid or whatever like that but just take a moment here to think about the idea that like literally say a cow for example there is a soul behind that there is a degree of consciousness behind that there is a personality and an identity behind that so to speak and that identity was just like okay i am choosing to incarnate into this existence so that i may get turned into a hamburger so that I may sacrifice myself so that humans can eventually see themselves. And it may not work the first time. I may have to come back. I and my brothers and sisters, so to speak, may have to become cows over and over and over and over and over and over again for years and years and years. And we'll have to die repeatedly over and over and over again just for humans to eventually start to get the message and for them to start to see more of the bigger picture and themselves to be able to make that shift. So again, I don't feel that like, you know, I feel everything is unfolding exactly in its natural way as to how this world tends to happen. And again, a part of that way was, is that we had to allow ourselves to to push our behavior to the edge of insanity in order to be able to consciously come back from it and animals have been guiding us along that path from this sort of non-selfish perspective of them literally sacrificing themselves from a knowing degree of consciousness so again some people would say like oh the cow didn't choose to be a cow it doesn't know it's coming to hamburger but what if it does like what if there's a degree of soul that is like literally being like okay like yep let's become a cow again 
like let's do this let's just keep going but then eventually you know maybe in like uh like 20 years less than that eventually that cow will be able to like come into that cow body again and it will be able to like sit next to a human in a field in a pasture and like snuggle with them and be compassionate and to be like an ally and to be seen as an equal and then the cow you'll finally be able to look into the eyes of the cow and you'll see the cow and it will just be like thank you like you have arrived like this is where i was trying to bring you to for the past decades and it just took a while and the animals have been incredibly patient with us in that perspective um so again this is where like the animals they are consciousness doing what it can to help wake itself up they are our equals they are us doing what it can to, to help wake itself up so um yeah just kind of putting those paradigm shifty ideas into it uh just kind of giving more credence to the the consciousness and the souls and the spirit uh and just behind what animals are here to do even from that non-linear perspective so to speak but again i feel um as we continue to evolve, more and more people are continuing to wake up and, and through our relationship to animals is absolutely a way that we're doing it. Okay, I just want to mention a couple things here. And uh, we did have uh, Rosaline actually uh, join the, the chat and, and I'd love to be able to get her to jump in on this as well. Uh, she's tuning in from Australia. And uh, we'll wrap up the show soon enough. Uh, no, no immediate rush, but soon enough within the next 15, 20 minutes. Um, okay, I wanted to mention a couple things. This goes back to Brian talking about sort of like systems and like kind of like uh, just like AI architecture, or at least just sort of a way how I'm interpreting it. Um, one thing that, that I saw within planet earth, uh, and again, if you guys haven't seen the planet earth documentaries, like after listening to this podcast, this broadcast, go back and check them out. Maybe if you've already seen them, go watch planet earth too. You can find it online super easily. Um, there's some beautiful stuff in there. One of the things that I saw that really took notice that I took notice of was super interesting. And it was like these, like these bugs in uh some place on the other side of the world i don't know where but what they would actually do so um if see if i can explain this correctly uh there's imagine just kind of like a mud field what these bugs would actually do they would basically build like almost like an ant an ant hill but imagine an ant skyscraper and they would literally build like these bugs would build like these intricate skyscrapers that would basically be like an ecosystem for them to live in but they would repeat this and then in this field, this vast field, there would literally be hundreds of these what basically look like skyscrapers. And so it's crazy because like, you know, like that's what humans, that's what we evidently ended up making. And yet here we are seeing these same patterns exhibiting themselves within the behavior of animals. So it's kind of cool to like look at these animals and be like, my God, like these bugs built a city like what the hell right um so again you know i think another part with like understanding animals is recognizing sort of you know uh, think of it almost as in sacred geometry but not just in terms of like visual patterns but also in terms of of behavior as well and, and brian's saying i think you're talking about termites and, and yeah i think it was like a type of termite uh it was in the planet earth 2 uh series season um but again you know like look for the sacred patterns, the sacred geometrical patterns within animals, and then acknowledge those within ourselves. Uh, another cool thing that I wanted to mention, I just wanted to mention this, and then I wanted to mention the wolf thing that I was going to mention next. Um, another cool thing, uh, going back to deers and fawns, one thing that I found out, and this is just kind of an interesting tidbit as to like the nature of animals, and maybe a lot of people didn't know this, and it's just kind of cool, so I'll mention it. Um, when baby deer are born, when fawns are born, 
this is from my understanding, they're actually born without a scent. And so what actually happens is that when they are born, the mother will actually like have very little physical contact with them. Like it will still like nuzzle on the teeth and stuff like that as much as it needs to, but it won't really hang around it more than it needs to. And then the reason for this is that because the font is actually scentless, it actually becomes a defense mechanism well in nature so that it isn't detected by prey and predator. And so what the fawn will actually do, and, you, and you, you'll see this, and this, is, this will make sense in a second, fawns will actually commonly lay amongst flowers so that they can blend in with the smell of the flowers and actually hide themselves from the scent of being like from being picked up through their scent uh, from like their prey. So again, if you, there's like, there's literally a subreddit that exists of baby fawns in flowers and you know, and people are just like, why are there so many pictures of fawns and flowers? Like that's because it's part of their natural way of, 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 of living. And the, again, the reason behind that is because they don't have a scent so that they actually don't get attacked by prey so that they don't get found out and stuff. So again, I just thought that was kind of cool because again, it, it exhibits this like creativity within the animal kingdom that we see that I think is uh, really interesting. And again, like that's like a whole topic in itself, just the idea of like the creative designs that we see within uh, animals and stuff and how consciousness is actually working through this. Because again, I think consciousness kind of works in this way of, a, of the best effort through experimentation and, and, and the way how we see animals adjusting and evolving is actually essentially consciousness adapting and, and, and just like transcending uh, into different like you know different ways of living and different ways of existing and stuff like that so i think it's very beautiful to acknowledge the different nature the different nature of these different animals moving on to the wolf thing and then i'll pass the talking stick around um i've mentioned this in past broadcasts but obviously i'll mention it here because it's very relative and it goes back to the concept of dreaming one idea that i read uh it was actually like in a book um about like teachings related to uh like carlos castaneda don juan i think that was where it's from it was from the uh, the Toltec book, the path of the Toltec. Um, I have it right behind me somewhere. Um, anyways, Toltec's path. But anyways, um, one thing that I read, if it was from that book, was this idea, and some of you may have heard me talk about this in the past, but I'll reiterate it, that wolves will actually use their dreams as a practical means for their nature. So in the idea that, you know, if animals dream, it's like, why do they dream? You know, it's like, oh, it seems kind of pointless, you know, like, why do they dream? But for wolves, their dreams are actually a part of what enabled them to survive. And this is how it works. When a wolf is dreaming, what it will actually do is it will actually astral project as in it will leave its physical body and it will float over the landscape and it will actually use its dream time to be able to find the hunt to find its next food it's like a deer or, or some sort of you know some sort of animal moving around and then it will use it so it will, in its dream it will actually project find out where its next hunt is where it needs to go and then when it wakes up it will maintain that knowledge and actually use that to know where to go so in opposed to like the wolves like just like randomly wandering through the wilderness no idea what's over the next mountain how crazy is it that wolves actually dream so that they can astral project to find out this information, bring it back, and then continue to move forward on their path? So again, I think that's just like a super interesting idea and probably one that a lot of people didn't even credit wolves as possibly having. And then if that is the case, 
who's to say other animals don't do it as well? Who's to say other animals don't do it as well? And obviously, you know, like, again, going into the nature of different animals, wolves are beautiful teachers in terms of like community and leadership and just the way how they uh, move as a pack and, and everything like that. Um, I think it's, again, there's a whole lot more conversation, but I encourage people to just kind of look at any animal and study the nature of them, you know, study the nature of them, of them, study their virtues and what can they teach us about ourselves? What attributes can they exhibit that will help us understand uh, more ways in which we can live in harmony uh, with ourselves as well. So, um, okay. Uh, I want to be able to uh, just check in and uh, see if, uh, if green ghost uh, is, uh, it, if Rosaline would like to join into the conversation. So Rosaline, I'm just going to uh, pull up your microphone. And if you just want to test your microphone and say hello, go ahead. Hello, go ahead. Uh, testing, testing. Hello. All right. That sounds good. So um, Rosaline, I'll pass it to you in a second. So again, uh, you can just say hello, maybe where you're tuning in from. And then uh, what brings you to this, this discussion topic about the consciousness of animals and, and anything that maybe you've you've learned from animals or anything you just might want to share as we uh, get close to wrapping up the broadcast, but go right ahead and welcome. Yeah. Hello. Um, my name is Rosalind. I'm from Australia. I just moved to Cairns actually, but um, I've been wanting to catch up with these broadcasts for a while, but because of the time zone difference, it's a bit hard, but yeah, no, I've just had a dog for about a year now. Unfortunately, I had to let him go to a new home, but so I've just spent a year with a dog and I also, through my youth, I spent four years working on a dairy farm. So I wasn't really doing milking. I was like looking after the calves. It was really the worst job I've ever had and it led me to become a vegetarian and all that. But um, yeah, so I don't really know if I should continue on from here, but um, working with cows for four years had a huge influence on my life. and. I did get to see a lot of um, like how the industry works in Australia and then straight after that I went to India and saw how the industry works in India. So I've got a good perspective. Sorry, Rosaline, I just want to jump in. Your microphone's like kind of crackly. I'm not sure if it's maybe because you're holding it or if the plug isn't in all the way. I'm not Can exactly you hear sure. Can like this? Um, I don't think that's changing the crackling noise, so I'm not exactly sure where it's coming from. I'm not, it sounds like it might not be plugged in all the way. Maybe you just want to check the plug on the computer real quick. Um, testing, testing. Is that a bit Do you want to just try plugging in and plugging plugging uh, out? Plugging in. Just yeah. double check. Because it's just like an unusually crackly, but the volume's fine. That may have fixed it. That may have fixed it. Okay, so I'm going to bring okay, my so volume down. Go, go ahead, volume continue. Down. Go ahead, continue. Um, well, I don't really know specifically. What oh, actually, oh, sorry. Actually, okay, you just unplugged your microphone? Yeah, okay, plug yeah, back in what you were using before there. Because that is louder. Sorry about the technical hiccups. There you go. All right, okay, so she's just going to plug that in and then. Okay, okay, go, go ahead. I think that might fix it too. Yeah. Oh. No, it's still really crackly, but we're just going to let you keep talking anyway. So um, it's okay, though. Um. Well, uh, one thing I did want to mention is, um, it's a kind of a secret, because it was very, like, special for me, but the ability of animals to understand and speak English, I don't know if you've already gone over this topic, but I swear when I had my puppy, like, 
he said to me one day, like, that he needed a mummy, like, and I swear he said it in English. And he would often say things like, when he was having little fits, he would say things in in English. But with cows, I spent, I used to actually every day after school, I used to go home and go to the cow field and just sit in the trees and push the leaves down so they could eat the leaves. And yeah, I, I've, I've made many speeches to big herds of cows just standing in the fields, but it's, it's amazing how sacred they are themselves and considering the fact that they poop out mushrooms too. But um, it's amazing, yeah, it's amazing how sacred cows really are um, and just how exploited they are. Like, um, but yeah, I don't really know what to say. I could answer questions or something, I don't know. But yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think, um, no, thank you, Rosalina. I, I think that's a very uh, beautiful idea, just like us underestimating, uh, you know, animals' abilities to, to understand English and, and everything like that, or even to be able to communicate their own form of language, which may be something very similar to, to English. And uh, someone was talking earlier in the chat, they were talking about a bird that they had, and they were just uh, talking about their amazement in the bird's ability to actually be able to communicate uh, through English that, that, it, that it hears and that it reps and for them to actually be able to like comprehend uh, the meanings of it. Um, so, I, I mean, I think, again, that's just like an awesome thing to keep in touch, uh, keep in mind. And, and yeah, and again, just going back to the sacredness of the cows, I think that's beautiful, again, to acknowledge how animals are seen within other cultures. Because, I mean, primarily within this broadcast, we, we've been thinking relatively within the confines, uh, within the construct of, of Western culture, so to speak. Um, but again, you know, like uh, go to another place in the world, such as India, such as you're saying, and suddenly the cows are these sacred beings and everything. And then you can get into the idea of like within the wheel of samsara, uh, cows are like uh, one, like cows are, are like amongst the evolutionary wheel uh, towards becoming human, at least like that's part of how they saw them. And and like, why, you know, like, why did they see them like that? Um, obviously, there's a reason as to what it is. Uh, that's something I'd have to explore. But how opposite is that from the Western way of perceiving things, whereas like cows are as far from sacred as we could possibly have them be. But again, you know, that that polar opposite, I think, is exactly why uh, the story that we are living is, is so dynamic and so rich. You know, it's like, again, going back to what I was saying, cows literally are like these like ascended masters or these sacred beings who have come here to like sacrifice themselves so that we can finally begin to learn and experience and and again i think one day we'll in some days i would i'm just trying i'm just almost visualizing whether this is something that would take place like in the astral realm so to speak of just like the visual image of like a human like weeping and begging for forgiveness at like the feet of a cow or something like that. And, and the cow having like nothing but compassion for that human and just being like, I understand. It's like, you had to go through that. Like, I don't take it personally. And I'm glad that you've arrived at this point so that we can grow together moving forward. Um, I, you know, just kind of opening up, I, I think it's, <laughs> outside this topic but within the bigger paradigm shift uh concepts you know i feel like uh if aliens so to speak if other like you know galactic civilizations are looking in on us uh and they're studying us 
how we treat our animals is going to be something that they're going to judge us on very closely. So if we're trying to like graduate from this school, from this university of earth and everything, one of the big tests is how we treat animals. And again, that's because they don't ask us to treat them a certain way. Um, though maybe they do, you know, maybe they do, and maybe we just aren't listening. So once we start to listen, then we realize uh, the obvious answers. And, and I think that's the beautiful thing about this and kind of what we've touched upon. And, and as we get closer to the end of the broadcast, just kind of wrapping it up with, with that idea and any other ideas. And I'll let you guys, uh, we'll go around with the talking stick and just get closing thoughts after this. Um, but again, you know, just realizing that like a lot of the things that we're moving towards in terms of compassion and, and just like acknowledging the consciousness of the animals and, and, and seeing ourselves in them um, is natural. It's very obvious. And, and it's just kind of removing the bullshit, uh, removing the hate, removing the fear. And then with all of those things taken out of the picture uh, it's, clearly it's it we are able to see clearly uh just again you know like the the idea that like yes they are us we are them and in that stage to be able to appreciate them uh through new eyes to to be able to perhaps see them for the first time in the majestic beautiful reflections that that they are and and i think that's a thing any creature again you know like fish insect mammals birds any anything marsupials anything like that is incredibly beautiful and just being able to like have the sight to see it is what we are learning uh through through these conversations and through you know everyday life that we live so um Thank you again, everyone, for, for tuning into this broadcast. We'll, we'll just get into uh, closing thoughts in the next moment. Just uh, reminding you guys, if you want to tune in for future broadcasts, check out ParadigmShiftCentral.com, create your profile to join in. And as always, you can share this broadcast and other past broadcasts. You can check them out all online as well as other questions and conscious articles. Reminding you guys that a great way to be able to support the project is through the team Patreon as a monthly micro contributor. And through that, you get your shift or booster kit. A lot of you guys know that with your laminated free hug sign, shift button, buttons, crystal love wand massage tools, crystal wire wraps, all sorts of awesome tools to help shift consciousness and accelerate the shift and build community where you are. And again, that's a monthly micro donation of just three to five dollars. So if you guys are signing up for that before the end of the month, that is incredibly greatly appreciated or check it out and sign up whenever you can. When we all give a little, we all get a lot. So um, yeah, as we uh, move forward, be sure to check out the schedule online. I'm not exactly sure what the broadcast will be next Thursday. I, I'm still, I apologize for kind of feeling like it's kind of week by week, but uh, bear with us and, and uh, it will either be, it will either be a team building hangout or an admin hangout specifically. So um, check in, but, but again, uh, you can get that just by going to the main website and even uh, subscribing for the mobile notifications if you haven't yet. And of course, subscribing on the YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash skull Babylon uh, for this broadcast and paradigm shift radio on iTunes. And uh, again, be sure to check out the new videos on the main website and uh, facebook.com forward slash paradigm shift central as well for other featured uh, community created content, uh, such as some videos from rainy that I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go and reupload. He's got some other videos from, from a while back that are still relevant. Uh, but again, thank you everyone for being a part of this broadcast. So moving into any closing thoughts that we just want to leave the audience with here uh, as they continue to 
download this inspiration and, and not only just listen to this broadcast for the sake of inspiration and entertainment and education, but also for uh, all of us to continue to embody uh, what it is that we are talking about here. So um, I'll just uh, open the open the talking stick. Maybe uh, Rainy, did you want to just give us some closing thoughts first, and then we'll we'll go around next. Rainy, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, for sure. Um, what was Green Ghost's name? Rosaline. Rosaline. Yeah. Rosaline, I'd like to thank you for uh, after working through four with cows, um, you did not become dehumanized and see them as, uh, you know, commodities and you became vegetarian because so many people after being in the meat and dairy industry just turn into lifeless souls um basically and i mean if you look at any um serial killer out there like 90 percent of them used to work in vivisection or used to work in the meat and dairy industry or used to kill animals all day long for for a, a living you know and so to be working with animals and and getting out of it and being compassion with compassion is really commendable and i thank you for doing that um I'd like to end it on a brighter note <laughs> because first I want to talk about what you said, uh, Brendan. I think it'd be interesting if, if all animals were um, sort of choosing to sacrifice themselves for us. Um, I just worry that that's not used uh, as an excuse because it could, it could be and, and it could um, say like, oh, you know, I'm just going to have this this one time and, and it's okay because they're sacrificing themselves for me. And when really it could be the case that we have to live every single one of those lives. Maybe reincarnation is infinite because in, infinity, if it exists and I believe it exists and it makes sense that it's the only thing that, is that exists because if something exists, why not everything? Anyways, so... If time is infinite, why, why aren't we having to live every single life? Why aren't we every single soul? If we are all one, maybe at one point we live every single life through infinity. So through that perspective, maybe we could be saving ourselves a lot of hardship um, by treating animals nicer uh, throughout our own lives. So. Um, to get away from all the hell and suffering, um, I would like to focus on the paradise and uh, heaven and absolute amazingness it is to follow your heart and to follow your compassion and to eat uh, a diet that is in line with your, your beliefs and your values. You start to feel amazing. You start to feel the way your body is meant to feel and it starts functioning the way it's meant to function and you get mental clarity, you get spiritual clarity, you get uh, everything just goes up. And, and if you think like all the products and all the, the trash and all the pesticides and all the, the hormones and all the, 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 the packaging and everything that has to go along with this junk food diet that we're uh, told to eat because it's very profitable for other people, none of that has to exist. Litter did not exist before humans came around. Like all we really need is to pick some fruit off of a tree, eat it, throw the compost down to feed the tree, um, dis disseminate the seeds 
inside the fruit and we're literally helping to grow paradise around us. Um, this is why my channel is named Symbiotic Solutions because I believe the solutions to the problems that we face are symbiotic. I believe the darkness that we're going through is parasitic and the solution is then of course symbiotic and it's an amazing possibility and potential that we can create on this planet. Um, and it really, it really just starts where we're at right now. All we have to do is instead of going to the grocery store and getting, uh, you know, Slim Jims, we get some fucking, I don't know if there's Slim Jims in Canada or whatever, but instead of getting beef jerky, you know, we get, we get some apples and mangoes or bananas or, you know, we make smoothies in the morning instead of bacon and eggs. And, you know, we feel the benefits and the planet feels the benefits and the animals feel the benefits and we get to start slowly but surely regrowing paradise on earth. Awesome. Sweet, man. Well, well said. We're doing it. Go to you. Sweet. All right. Rainy, thank you again, man. Any, any other, is that it? Ended there? That, that's yeah. Again, thank you. Immense gratitude. Um, for doing what you do, Brendan, you're, you're out here Thanks, all the man. time and, uh, I'm going to start, I'm going to start, uh, donating. Definitely. Cool, I, I feel it. Awesome, dude. Thank you, man. And, and, and likewise, thank you for what you're doing. I, I know you're, you're doing a lot. Um, a lot of focus recently has been on your Instagram and stuff. So, uh, for people who may be looking to connect with Rainy, I encourage them to do it at symbiotic solutions on Instagram as well. Correct. That's Correct. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Okay, cool. And we'll include that into the show notes for those of you uh, looking for that as well. But uh, yeah, definitely rainy. Thank you again and, and look forward to uh, collaborating with you some more in the future. So thank you. And thank awesome. you everybody else that participated tonight. Awesome. Awesome. Sweet, man. All right, guys. So again, just moving closer towards wrapping it up. Um, if uh, Rainy's dropping out, that's totally cool. We'll just do this and then we'll just say our good night and then we'll, uh, we'll save it all for next time. So um, who would like to just add any other closing thoughts? So uh, we have Brian, uh, we have Rosalind and uh, Ashley. Uh, if, if you guys want to say anything, just uh, either raise your hand so I can unmute you guys uh, real quick. Okay. Uh, Brian, go ahead. Okay. Um fat, sodium, and sugar are what causes us to be into meat and all the bad stuff in life, you know, with McDonald's and whatnot. Uh, something that needs to become more popular are crickets. If you, if you have to eat meat, I suggest eating crickets because uh, they use up way less water. You hibernate them by freezing them, and then you eat them without them ever knowing that they're actually dying, or maybe they know. I don't know. But the final thing I wanted to talk about was the multiverse and the brain. If you just type in brain and multiverse in Google and look at the first image, it is like the big bang. It's everything. So I was talking about the, the world being alive, but also the universe is alive too. And there's a theory that there's a boiling pot that exists where the multiverse is either a giant sphere with multiple spheres expanding and going in within one another, or we're on the edge of a boiling pot like we're the, we're just always expanding out into no, nothing which i think is more pessimistic but what i want to get at is this the big bang could be one breath and right now it's exhaling we are expanding in the universe and when we inhale that's when entropy has finally occurred to its max and it'll form back together and form another big bang and so 
a lot of people think that this may be the only universe we're living in, but I think that there's like gigantic, supermassive black holes that we don't even know about, or it's just so blatantly right in front of us that we're just not seeing it. And uh, yeah, I think that that's what God is, is like a giant being, you know, I think it's, it's, it's all that ever is or ever was. And I think it's what we're building up to, you know, with, with what you're talking about with the cows uh, dying and, you know, just smiling back at us and saying, you know, everyone fucks up, you know, you, you just got to keep doing your best, you know, for, for the best. So thank you. I wanted to thank you so much for letting me talk. I know I was blabbing a lot today, but I really appreciate this opportunity. To, it helps me get shit off my chest and with my mind helps creativity going too. So thank you, everyone. Have a good night. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Absolutely, man. And, and thank you again, just for uh, having a, you know, setting a fearless example of just jumping into the conversation and just practicing and sharing and stuff like that. I greatly appreciate it. And, and again, you know, that's, that's why we do this, guys. This is all just practice. As we've said many times before, continue carrying the shift with you, continue these conversations, ask people questions, going back to what Rainey was saying, uh, you know, the Socratic method, it's not so much the idea of like, finding one single answer, it's it's the journey of asking the question. So again, I think a lot of a lot of what we're talking about here with animal consciousness, there is a destination, so to speak, uh, that destination is like the heart and compassion, uh, and, and everything. And when you start asking these questions, uh, I think, you know, people will start to naturally find their way there. <clears throat> and I think, again, you know, that's kind of the thing is that like, we when you do this, like live by example, ask people questions and and people will just naturally as as they see others doing it will continue to step more into that heart space of just being like oh yeah you know like animals are humans too so let's start eat let's start treating the animals better and let's start in turn treating ourselves better too as well so um yeah okay uh just checking in uh ashley was there anything that you wanted to say um I know you've been tuned in for a bit. If there's anything you want to say, please feel free to to do so. Ashley, if you happen to be there, I'm not exactly sure if she... Can you hear me? Yeah, we can. It's a little, it's a little fuzzy, but go ahead, Ashley, if you had a quick message. Um, I just wanted to say I love you guys. Um, I love everything everyone had to say. Um, it's nice to know I'm not alone in the way I feel. And <laughs> that's all I got to say. I love you guys. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you, Ashley. Always a pleasure having you here. And for everyone else, you know, just for, for everyone else tuned into this, much love to, to, to all you guys. I, I know a lot of people listen to this afterwards in the future. And again, it's just greatly appreciated to, to, to have as many people interested in this and to know that, again, like it ripples out far more than just who listens to this alone. So, um, okay. So, uh, Rosalind, was, was there anything you want to just add? Final thoughts? Go, go ahead. I'll pull your microphone up. I would definitely say big love to you all. It's really special to be here. Um, I'd also say it's kind of a bit off topic, but I often see animals in the clouds. Just keep looking at the clouds because the clouds really have some amazing things to do. And you never know if you have that ability to sort of shape shift clouds and you can get a lot of messages from the clouds. But also if you have the chance to sit in a field with some cows, I would recommend just sitting in a field with cows and just em being embraced by that sort of their consciousness because there is not many more, there, there aren't many animals in this world that are as relaxing as cows are. And yeah, they can really help you. So yeah, if you get the chance to hang out with some cows, I would recommend that. Um, 
And yeah, just big love to everybody. And thanks for having me here. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm glad that you're able to make it. And yeah, absolutely looking forward to, to more conversations with, with everyone here. So um, with that said, uh, again, you know, just, just kind of closing thoughts. Uh, just keep thinking for yourself, guys. Just keep asking questions. Go watch some documentaries. I, I, think, I think a lot of it is just being able to see things with new eyes in, in a lot of ways. And it is something that for many people, it, it's something that we have to learn. It's something that we have to remember and, and remembering to remember is essentially what a big part of this journey is. So uh, animals are here to help us do that. They're here to help us remember, yet also to help us share in the excitement of this journey. So let's focus on that. Let's focus on, you know, moving forward. How can we share in our excitement with our fellow animal friends? Understanding that they, as much as we appreciate having excitement and joy, animals appreciate that as well and if we can give them that gift i feel that goes a really long way you know like i feel that's like some like good karma for for everyone and stuff so again you know it's let's we're we're doing it for the animals but we're also doing it for ourselves and we're doing it for the generations to come so it, it's definitely happening and and it's again conversations like these that help move it forward so from conversations to 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 ideas concepts to actions to embodiment so let's keep moving forward so with that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another successful educational, entertaining, and inspirational broadcast through ParadigmShiftCentral.com. This has been Destiny School with the topic of consciousness of animals. Uh, the next Destiny School topic will be, I'm not exactly sure. I haven't fully decided yet. Um, one of them is going to be about the flat earth theory in the future. Uh, we'll talk about that. Um, I'm not exactly sure when it will be, but it'll be at some point. But if you guys have suggestions for uh, topics and themes that you would like to see for Destiny School, please feel free to let me know. I'm always open to being able to hear that. And uh, stay tuned for other future broadcasts and lots more exciting stuff happening through the Paradigm Shift Central Project. And as always, go out there and keep shifting the paradigms. Go out there, keep talking to people, do free hugs, uh, do any sort of like get involved with like animal rights activisms. Uh, if there's communities like that in, in where you are, start changing your diet. Those little things are, are excellent ways of just being able to put the intentions out there into the collective and and go share in the excitement with your pets if you got some pets or go down to uh you know go down to like a local a local uh like uh the kennels where dogs are and maybe you can even adopt a dog or something like that um you know animals are here to to be able to share this journey alongside with us as equals as we have said and uh i think it's very clear and um Again, so thank you guys so much for, for helping bring forth that clarity. So with that said, we are wrapping up this broadcast. And uh, thank you again, everyone, into the live chat. Please feel free to leave your comments on this YouTube afterwards. Share it with your friends and stay tuned for future broadcasts. So just inviting everyone, we're going to unmute ourselves and let's all make some uh, more animal noises and send everyone some love. And uh, we'll say goodbye after that. So I'm muting everyone. So say, say, say until next time, guys, make some animal noises. So. <laughs> yeah yeah awesome sweet all right guys much love guys the wolf within me sees and honors the wolf within you my name is brendan until next time keep it shifty and we will see you guys in the future much love peace and wholeness <laughs>
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 